Welcome back to Bedouin Banter. It is the podcast where all things Bedouins up close matters the most to you because uh, that, that was just meaningless jargon because I'm not good with my words and many of us are not good with our words and that's why I have a writer with me today, somebody that actually his whole job is basically not only inspire us but to create something that takes us to other worlds, paints a picture in his own mind that translates to ours and gives us an understanding of what it takes to be a writer, to be an author, to be a wordsmith. Something that I've never been that good at, but I try to be. And uh, that's why, guys, I want you to remember that when you watch this, take a little chunk of this story and make it your own. Try to envision how you would take on this little adventure through his life and what it means to be a writer, what it means to be an author. And make sure to check out his book because uh, he is the man behind the legend that is the Titan Lord, le- 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 Titan Lord legend. I already screwed up that one. Uh, MD Darwish Mohammed is here with us in studio. He's going to be talking to us about many of his books. You're going to see some of the other ones in the back there. There's Dragon Tooth, Fortier, and of course the upcoming book, Titan Lord, The Thousand Ashes. A thousand ashes. A thousand ashes. A thousand ashes. A thousand This time ashes. I got the a, the a almost right, unlike almost. the Instagram <laughs> post. Uh, check it out. This is the trailer to it right now. They told you they were here. They were among you. Living. Breathing. Fighting for your own survival. Men of the North. Do you hear the Titans humming, signaling their lord to come? The Empire is no more. It has fallen. For what were they but mere mortals? And their enemy is something that all of them trembled before. Beyond this realm, and the next, and through a thousand ashes, they all whisper in fear. The Titan Lord is here. 14th of October, 2020. The end begins. Quell the Titans. All right, that's it. You've seen the trailer. That is the new book out. By by the time this is out, it's going to be out, right? Yeah, it would be available for pre-order. There you go. Available so. for pre-order right now, guys. Check it out. Make sure to check out his website as well, mgderwish.com. Yes. And uh, make sure to check out his Instagram. Everything's coming up on screen for you guys right now. Don't forget, guys, we do have a giveaway prize for this episode, a specifically special giveaway because Mohammed has uh, made sure to give us a bunch of prizes. For all of you that are joining us, if you follow the Instagram account, follow Bedouin Banter on Instagram, comment on the giveaway post on there. Make sure to tag somebody. And on this YouTube video as well, in the comments, just write out Titan lord to double your chances at winning for this random raffle giveaway all right Mohammed, tell us a little bit about that trailer and what we're supposed to be doing you said we're supposed to be quelling the titans i can see it from your shirt quelling the titans quelling them <laughs> so in general i think uh the most important thing about titan lord is that phrase uh, i think uh i've been saying it everywhere quell the titans so i just wanted to give a bit of perspective to that wording which is um everybody has titans inside of them which uh, titans and in that particular world exist as an attribute. So when it comes to humans, you can look at it in terms of fear, uh, nervousness, anxiousness, and uh, all those negative traits can be titans within you. So that's where the phrase quell the titans comes from, lest they quell you. 
So you're so. quelling your inner passion, your inner need for egotistical glory. Everything that drives you as a human being is what you're saying with that? In, in, a, in a way, yeah. Okay. So I, I, I want to be able to talk to you guys about the book, specifically the first one, because uh, it was one of the reads that I've had to go through for, for the sake of this podcast, because I don't like faking it. A lot of people out there on their shows do. I actually had to read this. It was really annoying for some of the scenes, but I loved it on a whole. So I, I'm not holding back on any punches here. I enjoyed it. And uh, there were some things that did not make sense to me. Uh, but Mohammed has been amazing to actually sit with me earlier today and in, in, in downstairs and actually clarify it for me. I wish we could talk about it. But I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Uh, that that's the difficult part. But we can have a spoiler-free zone. We so. can. We can. Maybe we'll do it right at the end, and we can have a spoiler-free zone for those of you that want to go back to the episode, rewatch it, re watch the end part. And we're going to talk about that at the end of the episode, sure. right? But, but just to clarify something, yeah, all your concerns will be addressed. They have. I have to. I have, so. to, I have to honestly say he has. Then I. My one, uh, no, there were a couple of scenes where I felt like my brain wasn't wrapping myself around some of the, the detail, the intricacies of the prophecy of uh, what's going on with some of the characters, what's going on with some of the scenes. And I realized, oh, no, Muhammad has layers. You've added little hints and, and subtle, subtle early seeds that you've planted that tell you everything you need to know. I, I think generally you can, you can tell the end of Titan Lord by the first three chapters, I would say. First three chapters. Three so that chapters. first hundred pages, you'd say, of the book, maybe around that that time. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because that that's the scene where I feel I felt like I struggled the most because maybe I wasn't looking into things very deeply, and I felt like it was inspired by the original journey of of what people go through in a JRPG. Because okay. you started off straight away with a slime. That was the first monster they they uh, practiced against. Okay. What was the reasoning behind the slime? Usually, the slime. The slime actually comes from uh, so. It, this is going back to the origins of Titan Lord as an idea or a concept in my mind. So right. I, I think I was playing uh, an online game. Um, okay. And there was this specific dungeon, right, where uh, a bunch of people would just join in, be FAK, which is away from keyboard, okay. and just wait for the dungeon to end. And I struggled with that concept. I wanted to do the dungeon because it was fun. And uh, there were other people as well. So I think, um, long story short, we did the entire dungeon, but we actually um, got, um, uh, can I say the kill word, by the way? The what? The, the K word, the, the kill. What's the K word? I, I don't know. It's the kill word. The kill word? Yeah, kill. I guess. Okay. Yeah, okay. of course. Why can't I don't, I don't you say know, that? Man. I don't know. This is, um, this is, no, we have no standards here. Okay, <laughs> okay. I already told you. We don't talk local politics, and I we mean, all know why we don't talk local I mean, politics. I mean, but that's I, about it. Everything else is, is free to go, so okay. go for it. I'm, I'm a nice guy. Yeah. I, don't, I don't kill people. I know. He kills people. No. He kills in books, people. In books. In books. Allegedly. <laughs> apparently, apparently in the back, he says, by the way, uh, I, kill, I kill these people because I, I'm trying to kill my friends. Something like that. Or he's basing his characters off of his friends. Here we go. M.G. Darwish is an award-nominated author who writes dark, twisted, and action-packed fiction. He tries his best not to base his characters on anyone he knows in real life. Tries his best. All right? <laughs> so he can avoid that extra weird conversation about how they were brutalized and killed in the book. Oh, and he's terrified of a penguin uprising more than ghosts and demons. That is true. Why a penguin uprising? Because they're up to no good. You feel it? Absolutely. All of them? I mean, they're it's in the on emperor it. emperor penguins, right? It's because <laughs> of their name. No, I mean, think, think back to The Simpsons, right? There was one episode where Lisa actually caught a, a penguin flying across the room. I don't remember. She this. was not supposed to see that. 
She she was like just off the cuff, just yes. saw one in the back. She just opened the room, a penguin was flying. Flying. Yes. And this was like a hidden talent that the penguin didn't exactly. want to know about. So that I feel like the, the hint is the Emperor Penguin title. But here's the thing. Who knows what they're up to? Nobody knows. That's exactly. why they're off there in the south. Is it the south or the north? Uh, south Pole. I can't, I can't tell. We're going to have to rewatch Nothing. Happy Feet. Yeah, okay. That's where, see? Oh, great. Reference plug right wow. there. Enjoy it, guys. <laughs> okay. So we we know for a fact you like weird things. You like dark and twisted things, as you've said. And you like to Absolutely. brutalize people that might be representations of people you know. I mean, here's the the way actually books work for pe- for most people. Um, it's generally a transition into a, a world that is filled with mystery and fantasy. How dare you? Is that your phone? What was that? No. Is that my phone? <laughs> it's one of those phones. I think it might be my phone. Hold on. Oh, shit. It's one of the cameras. Okay. So. Yes. What, so what? You're, you're saying that you have a process. So, um, wait, what was I saying? I don't know. You had a, you had a process about writing. We were getting to that point. I was asking you about brutalizing your characters and viciously attacking people that you know and whether that's a part of your process to, I guess, take representations from people you okay. know. So in, in general, I think uh, most readers go to books to escape their realities. But um, a good book will not only do that, but it, it's going to give you that feeling that this is reality. So right. there is no escaping from you know, anything uh, that is negative affecting your life. The best way uh, to deal with those things is you go through them. You yeah. face them head on. And I think a lot of books fail in doing that. Um, they they shy away from let's say killing off uh, certain characters protagonists right. heroes whatever but i i want my readers uh to quote J- uh, george r r martin i want my readers to be afraid i want them to fear for their characters lives yeah. okay so, so I'll, I'll quote the interviewer that was talking to george r r martin okay. why are there not enough black people in your books uh, okay. okay as a bahraini <laughs> author Right, uh-huh. You're, there's a lot of Western fantasy here, and I could say it leans more towards the Japanese. Okay, but that's fair. Not many Arabs, uh, not many brown people. In, Je- in this book right here, is it on screen? Can you guys, see? no, it's not on screen, but you can see in the back where that. Right? Can you point to it? MG Darwish, all those books there, the vampire okay. one. Okay. Dragon Tooth one. Yeah. Um. So in general, I think it, that that comes to the process of of determining where the story comes pla- uh, takes place. Okay. So for example, um, Titan Lord is a fiction world. It's a fantasy setting. So in, in a sense, the the cultures and traditions don't exist because, uh, let's say, the people that live in that co- specific continent all have their own traditions and cultures, mm-hmm. and I think. In a sense, I have always, uh, let's say, shied away from any form of restriction when it comes to to the writing process. So I try not to limit myself by any culture, any tradition, or anything that constrains, let's say, my artistic ability. Right. So in, in a sense, um, I, I think writers write about what they know. Okay. That's, so... Then this leads perfectly to the next question. Okay. What got you into writing in the first place? What did you know and you felt like you needed to share as a Bahraini author that went to the realm of fantasy specifically? And uh, and now in this sense also, uh, what would you classify Fortier as? Um, it's it's actually classified as paranormal urban fantasy. Okay. Um, so those two. Tell us about yes. that journey. What, what got you there in the first place? So, I mean, 
here's the thing when when i write i don't look at uh the genre specifically because i think uh as an indie author which stands for independent author by the way mm. um an indie author has to wear three different hats right so he has to be a writer he has to be a market a marketeer and then he has to be a salesman and these three hats cannot interfere with one another so right. when i'm writing the book i'm just writing the book right i figure out all the different stuff that um it it yeah um cool <laughs> i fun editing this <laughs> Awesome. Okay, good. Welcome to my world, bitch. <laughs> By the way, a lot of people think that me and Muhammad have beef or like some some kind of rivalry. We only have it as a fun little game on radio. When he used to be the guy that would call in to challenge every single game to win every single challenge on radio. So I've, I've, I feel like which he was, I won, you, which you fair in fairness did win. A lot of times I did cheat to actually make him not win, so that helped. Seriously? Yeah, I did. Just I knew I, it. I, 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 I knew it. I'm announcing it right now. It was just for you, by the way. Damn it. You were the only one that I ever oh, did that to. That's it. I knew I won. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, we, we, I wanted to talk to him in, on the podcast because he's somebody that is, um, whenever you mention, like I've said in previous shows, whenever you mention to people in Bahrain, it's like, yeah, have you heard of this band? Have you heard of this uh, poet? Have you heard of this a comedian or this actor and then the people go what when i've never heard of what, what i didn't know we had one of these and the same thing happened when i was getting this show prepped people didn't know that we had our very own bahraini author who has been around in the scene for i don't know how long now how many years has it been for you uh, i think five to six years five to six years yeah. and you've been uh, you know self-publishing you've been actually marketing yourself you've been doing a lot of things including you know putting promotions together uh, paying people out to be able to produce content that, that that shows the quality that you're trying to put into your work, and absolutely, what is it? Are you surprised still that people don't know that this is even a, a thing that happens in Bahrain, or do you feel like you found a core audience that's still, you know, that's been there and they get it and it, it's always appealing to them? On, honestly, it's a bit of both because generally, I think in, in my bio, I don't hide the fact that I am from Bahrain, even if I feel like. Hiding that fact would help uh, propel my career a bit further, mm. honestly. Why is that? I think, see, there's a general uh, conception that authors that are not native English speakers uh, generally suck. Really? Yes. This is in the, the Western-centric oh, world? I, I, I get that all the time. I, I think I, I have reviews that are a bit, you know... Wait, <laughs> these, these are people that are saying it's publicly and openly in the, the publishing world? Yes. I mean, I mean, wow. here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, I've had a lot of agents that, uh, uh, you know, read the initial, let's say, three paragraphs. Uh, sorry, three first chapters. Okay. And then they were like, wait, you're from where? No, scrap that. We, we, wow. we, we, don't, look, we don't work with native. Uh, we don't work with uh, someone who's not native, for example. But I thought that was all the rage now is for them to empower these like ethnic minority voices. But see, or, uh, is it because you're not you're writing a genre that they're not interested exactly. in? Exactly. So in general, I think what what uh, the secret formula or the secret sauce to that is controversy. So if I don't market myself as, you know, this uh, this guy from Bahrain oh. who is, uh, you know, just trying to uh, make it because most generally, I think. Um, I, I did an interview once where someone asked me, what is the biggest misconception about indie authors, in okay. your opinion? And I said that they're successful. Right. And it's true because not every indie, uh, indie author is successful. Honestly, you, you think about the books that you enjoy reading. Um, 
think about all the books that were never written because the author gave up. Yeah. So I think generally that's a very big challenge that we face almost all the time. And I'm not sure when was it exactly that uh, a, a read a book around the world challenge kind of started. Right. And for some damn reason, everyone was finding my books and the reviews go like, I don't read fantasy, but I had to because I had to finish a book by a writer in Bahrain. I'm like, no, if you don't read fantasy, don't read fantasy. Don't read it, yeah. So <laughs> it's not for you. And it's I, not for you. See, this is the part yeah. that I, I, don't, I don't get with some people. It's like, okay, like for me specifically, uh, I liked the ending of this book because it started getting dark. And I like that because okay. for me, I like the gritty. I like the politically savvy. I like things, especially in my fantasy. I like it being like House of Cards. Okay. Right? So a lot of people don't like that about Game of Thrones. They think there's too much distraction. Well, whilst for me, the political intrigue is everything about it that I like. So there are different tastes even within fantasy. Some exactly. people like the high fantasy. They like mm. everything that goes with, like, I don't know, Legend of the Fucking Seeker. That's your thing. <laughs> I enjoy it. But uh, my, my point is, do you feel like finding your uh, readership and mm. finding your own voice, finding your own trail, is it hindered by this idea that you're writing for a genre that isn't associated usually with Bahrain or Arabs or Middle Easterners? Are you being pushed, for example, into a specific uh, label like, hey... You know, put more brown people in the book. And, you know, why are you calling him Benjamin? Why isn't he this called Basum? Come on. <laughs> why isn't this a thing for you? I mean, here's the thing. Um, if, if, if I uh, go, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. I'm a guy who analyzes every single thing, right? So yeah. I have to understand the audience that are devouring my books, the ones that come back and read other books. I look a at a lot of graphs and diagrams and everything. So... My readership currently stands at, I think, 83% uh, US-based. Okay. And the, I, I think the rest is scattered between UK, Canada, and Australia. So, so if you're from there, American. Exactly. So if you're from there, this is my people's cam as well. Yes. If you're from there watching this, thank you. Comment. Comment down below, quell the titans, not titan lord. Oh, not titan lord. <laughs> oh, you specifically want to know. Okay, so if you're specifically from the US... And you're one of the audiences uh, from there. Type exactly. Book. You're going to confuse everybody right now. No. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. It's going to have two people. The Titan Lord people exactly. trying to get the giveaway. And then there's the people that are quelling the Titan Lord. Titans. But that should count as an entry as well. That, to be oh, fair. you want both? <laughs> oh, yeah. Fine. I guess we're doing this now. I okay. Guess he's mentioned it on the podcast. It has fair, to be done. Fair point. But so, I think in general, if you look at my statistics, right. my readership in Bahrain consists of around 3% of my audience. So in general, three percent. Three percent. Here's 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 the um, uh, and you you can have a meme, uh, you know that the ones about uh, tough pills to swallow. Yeah. People talk about supporting local authors and local businesses, but they don't give. But a they fuck. don't exactly exactly. No, they don't. It's just for show. It's just something cool that they say. To uh, I mean, uh, and I don't want to sound bitter or anything because there are a lot of people that support uh, you know local businesses, but in general, I think there is a big um, conception. Do you, do you think that's just for us though, because we're we're the English speaking ones? Because for example, I tried to do esports and uh, I did it for uh, successfully for a little bit, and I got a lot of gigs out of it. I did a lot of work out of it, but the reality was, if I wasn't going to speak in Arabic, which I ended up doing anyway for about a year and a half. Uh, there was not, not a lot of opportunity. 
Now, you can argue into that field is very different and then gets a different kind of support anyway because of the industry in itself being mm-hmm. supported overseas. But I still felt like, you know what? This is not my, this is not me. This is not my, uh-huh. this is not what I'm good at. And I can do it. I can do the baseline Arabic really well. I can be relatable. I can, you know, bring some of Khalid into it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to work. But still, it's like working, operating at 20% of who I am. Mm-mm-mm. So do you feel like you're hindered by the fact that if you had written this in Arabic, you think it would have been more appealing for most people? I mean, here, here, here's the thing. In general, there is uh, a lot less competition for Arabic literature. That's just the case. Okay. Right? But I, I think, um, uh, I, and here's this is a question, by the way, I've had to deal with a lot in my lifetime. Mm. It's why do you write in English? Why, do you write, why don't you time. write in Arabic? Yeah. And I think... Um, To be specific, I come from uh, a writing background as well. So I was a script writer before. Uh, I wrote uh, plays. I wrote short short movies and mm. and, and feature length uh, productions. That never, never mentioned this before. Ex- exactly. I, you said you had a background in TV, but I didn't realize you were fully scripting things for plays and stuff. Exactly. Okay. So in general, um, I, I think the biggest comment that I faced was that my ideas were always too ambitious. It's too fantasy. It's not for this region. Stop doing this. Like right? what? 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 Like, for example, because Bahrain and Kuwait tend to have more of an ambitious trend uh, when it comes to some of the Arabic content. But here's the thing: the content that goes uh, in this region, if you notice, there's always an element of romance and 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 this melodrama yeah. that is occurring in almost every show that we see. And I is always this distracting you a lot. By the no, way? no, no, that's fine. All right, good because it's just here to fuck with you. That's, <laughs> that's the whole point behind it. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. So, in general, I think if you look at uh, you know the mythologies and the legends that exist uh, specifically, I think in the in in our region, there are a lot of ideas that we can tap into. It's just untapped potential. Well, that's the thing I was brought up. That was actually one of my stand-up bits. I think you caught a little bit out of it when I was uh, talking about the fact that we have so many people that always say, oh, this is scary. We have the legends and myths of, you know, the Greek monsters, the the, the Egyptian ones, even the, mm-hmm. the pre-Pharaonic and pre-Islamic ones. And you have all these different mythologies to feed off of if you wanted to do like a horror story. And what does Bahrain have? We always have the same thing the rest of the Middle East has, jinn. Okay. And then the other thing that's supposed to be scary is mahmar. Like how is that? <laughs> please tell me how you can craft that into a. And I've, I've had mother of donkeys. By yeah, the way. please translate <laughs> completely directly into the mother of donkeys. And I, in my head, I'm like, well, okay, that's that can be. And we have the independent guy who was here, uh, Mohammed Fakhro from Blue Steel Films and Productions. He he made a a short film about Mahmar. He got it as close to the, as scary as humanly possible, considering okay. the limitations of what he's working with. True. But do you feel like that's part of the limitation or that they just don't want to it's, go there? It's not about... Uh, see, I, I uh, to give you a bit more perspective on this, let yeah. me tell you a story about uh, the bird of Hermes. Okay. So Hermes in, in Greek mythology was the god of trickery and the god of speed. Yeah. And he had this bird. And the bird was so powerful, so strong, that it would devour its own wings So as not to beat the god by so much of a margin that it would offend him. Okay. So the enemies of Hermes actually feared the bird more than they feared the god himself. Because they didn't know at which point can the bird grow its, its wings back. And I think that is 
that that correspond that corresponds to how we feel as a, as a society here because in general every one of us has to devour his own wings to numb down their potential and, that's and an growth. amazing way of, of putting it exactly so so do you feel like you're hindered by the fact that you wanted to be able to run you wanted to be able to fly but the realities of what we are kind of going through as a culture and what we're able to put out there is limited in scope and, and, and in scale by everybody and what they're willing to consume. If, if they tell you you can't write this, you can't talk about this. You, you know, we have a thing for that as well. Uh, when someone tells a writer, uh, which is, by the way, the worst thing you can tell a writer is you can't write this, you can't do this because we immediately do it, name a character after you and decapitate you. Right. Hi, Elson. It's in the book. <laughs> okay. So, in general, there, there. Let's let's take uh, the limitations of creativity um, in my perspective. Okay. Because I think I struggled with this mentality for a very long time when I started my career as a writer, right? Because I've always heard these comments: "Don't write in English. There's too much competition. You can't beat them." That was the approach. So I think, in general. Um, who was telling this to you? Local everybody. writers and editors, or was it even the people overseas? Who was? Who was? No, it was local people. They told okay. me, "Don't. Why are you going to the fantasy route? Just stick to tents and 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 fire and and." And I'm like, "Why? Why? That's why?" That's an interesting should... genre. The tents exactly. and fire section. <laughs> so <laughs> my argument was, "Why should I restrict myself? Why yeah. should I limit my creativity based on where I am geographically? Because my audience is international." Yeah, so, that's true. And, and it depends, like, you can add your own flavor of the region, what you can tell about the region. Like, I've always wanted to hear, you know, more. R.E. Howard is one of my inspirations. He's right there. Okay. okay? And I love, I like the age where he was writing with Lovecraft and everybody else. And, and for them, that kind of primordial truth uh, type of writing where you explore ancient civilizations, I feel like that bedrock of mm -hmm. writing was never done here. So I, I would like to see more writers actually take on some of the mythologies of Dilmun or, you know, the Canaanites. The or, land of the paradise. Exactly. You know? Or even, you know, in the Quran, they talk about Iram, okay? Uh, the okay. lost city of the pillars. Okay. That's not really tackled. Like, there's more in that white guy's book about our <laughs> ancient civilization than uh, local writers. And I feel like somebody ad 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 adapting that for a fantasy realm, even if it's in English and introduced in a Western setting, mm -hmm. would probably add more to our flavor of the region than trying to kind of, like, cater to tents and, 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 and deserts and fires, as you say. I, I think it, it, culturally, I think we uh, shrug off our pre-Islamic history as it's something to be ashamed of. And I think we, we have to learn from the past uh, or we are doomed to repeat it. Do you feel That's... like the Egyptians get to get away with it? Because for some reason, theirs is cool. I mean... Why? <laughs> no. Why? Like, Egyptians are Arabs. They're Muslims. But for for them, it's like, oh, you know, you can talk about the pharaohs, you can talk about all the ancient pharaonic stuff. I mean, I mean, see, uh, Egypt is actually so rooted in history yeah. that no one can, you know, shake off its its location. It's the it's the uh, let's say the place where a lot of, you know, even stories in in, in religion actually take place in. Yeah, you know, you have the story of Moses yeah. uh, and a lot of different things happen in Egypt. So yeah. it has its special place. You can't really hide it. Exactly. Yeah. 
And, yeah, I think and you wake up, the pyramids are there. It's like, fuck. It's the pyramids. <laughs> yeah. Were they built by aliens? Yeah, we don't know. We don't right? know. We don't know. That's Nobody knows. Answer. That's why you get <laughs> to be creative about the whole thing. So I think, and who knows, by the way, maybe the mother of donkeys by M.G. Darwish is coming up. Please do. <laughs> please, maybe you'll take uh, this. Maybe, please, look at the mythology. Look at the creation story, or not even the origin story for like, mother of donkeys, is the fact that apparently <laughs> she was... Very, she was so she cared for her donkey so much because she had lost a family member or a son or a daughter. I can't remember what it was. Is it? But yeah, something like that. And uh, I thought she's half donkey. And she half... is. But this is the origin story. How she okay. became apparently. Wow. Okay. And and yeah, there's an origin story. Okay. okay? And the the donkey that she cared for so much got killed by villagers that I think kids or something were, were teasing it and bullying it, and the donkey got killed. And then she finds out, and she goes into Ooh. a rage. Okay. Right? And she goes into such a rage. They, she turns halfway into a donkey. It stops halfway, <laughs> by the way. It's okay. not a full transformation. It's not like she inhabits the, the werewolf vibe and okay. then goes full donkey. No, she's just half donkey. It's like if I smashed my phone and I got really angry, I turn into half a smartphone. But that's the origin story, apparently. <laughs> I, I'm afraid uh, I, I'm going to offend people if I laugh at that, by the way. So if I do, apologies to all the mothers there. It's still a scary story. Your children are still terrified. I don't think any person <laughs> <laughs> You never know. So. You never know. Maybe you're, maybe you're right. We're, we're in 2020. Everyone's yeah. offended about something. That's, it seems so. like the case. Are you dealing with that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I hide from it really well. I, I don't... I don't so it comes your way, but you you just I mean, duck from it. No, here's the thing. Uh, there's there, sometimes there's just no escaping it. But ultimately, I think it's it's a mentality that I have. I read reviews. No okay. author should read their reviews. You should not react to them. You should not respond because the reviews are not meant for you. Okay, they're meant for readers, and that's a very big distinction. I think a lot of amateurs fall into the trap of responding to reviews, and they go into a very embarrassing conversation where. No, this this mistake is fixed. And by the way, no book is perfect. You know, yeah. I I saw mistakes in in um, George's books all the time. Yeah, you expect a, let's say a fair amount is two to three mistakes a book. That's perfectly fair. No yeah. book is perfect. So, so what kind of criticism do you accept? Um, like you, uh, from from reviews, would you say so, uh, even if you don't read them, but you get the the notion that, for example, a question like mine, like why are there not enough brown people in this book? <laughs> All right? um, I'm leading you down the route. See, you know you're I, going. I to. don't respond to that because okay. generally they, they, these are somewhat opinionated, right? Because I think in general, writers write what they know. Right. Uh, so and and again, like I, I think I said that before. That is why I will never write about, uh, let's say, golf because I don't understand. I, I don't. I don't understand the sport. Okay. You, I. I just don't. I refuse to understand golf. Yeah. So you refuse to. <laughs> refuse. You actively take a stand. I so take. A, I'm taking a stand okay. right here on the show. Yeah. Call it. <laughs> Our next episode of Hamid will be live at the Royal Golf Golf Club, and uh, we're going to be talking about how you can't do that. No. Okay. okay. We're not going to do that then. But stop golf. Seriously. Stop golf. It's meaningless. Anyways, um, so in general, I think... Um, By the way, you lost all your Scottish like readers. All of them. Gone. No, I love Scotland. Do I want to be there. I thought they invented golf. I think you just defended what, Did it. they? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Okay. They did. In any case, it doesn't I mean, matter. See, everybody has like hobbies. And, and I feel like we should honor that. <laughs> but, I have nothing against golf. I'm just letting you guys know. 
This is Mohammed's opinion. Uh, I think he can sell me though. Okay. So we'll, so we'll find out. In in general, uh, by by the way, I don't trust fish for some reason as well. So, so penguins don't take my word. Fish. fish. All and tomatoes. Them. No tomatoes for me. Thank Any you. tomatoes? They're sneaky. They try to. They no, don't just I mean, leave it. Okay, don't even explain it. All right, fair. just leave it right there. That's a fair point. This is your 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 view, your reality. You get to write I, this I mean, story. Mohammed. It's exactly. your story. Tomatoes shouldn't be a thing. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, so <laughs> I'm gonna find tomatoes in his next book. You're what? Say, no. Somebody's gonna, okay. <laughs> it's gonna be a small reference to me, and I'm gonna have to figure out the puzzle. Ooh, maybe. Right. Okay. <laughs> so in general, here's the thing. I think. Um, so. We went a lot off, trough, off, we off did. track. We did. Welcome way. to the show. But this is fun, you know? This is part of it. Exactly. So let me take you back on track here and ask okay. you this question. You've said people get offended by your books. Uh-huh. Now, you're you're somebody from the Middle East, so you're bound to offend someone, even uh-huh. if it's not overseas, if it's not an audience based in the U.S. Uh, if you were writing in Arabic or if you're writing some of the ideas that were in here, especially for me growing up in Saudi as a youth, I'd be like, this is this is offensive. Okay. Are you talking about titans and people are worshiping them and, and talking about all these concepts? Okay. That's fair. So, do you feel like you like in my boat? It's easy because I just don't. I don't have to worry about the criticism. I don't have to worry about anything that comes along and gets people riled up because people know what I am. They mm-hmm. tune into this show. If they don't like it, they tune out. Okay. Do you feel like you have to be protective of anything and assume beforehand that you're not going to offend people? I mean, here's the thing. The thing about writing, uh, writing is an art, right? It can be misshrewed, taken out of context, just like you can do anything in life. So in general, there's no point in trying not to offend anybody because someone somewhere will find something to be offended about. Okay. And here's the thing. I think when I first started, by the way, uh, this journey of publishing and writing, I couldn't find anybody else who did it. So to me, I was kind of figuring out my own path and that's the that was an extremely frustrating uh process i would say and that's why i think i made um in general i think i made a promise that i i am always going to support writers and authors and artists in bahrain uh generally i think with my time with anything that i can we have um a support group of 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 some sort so Whatever question it is, anything that I can do to help, I will All right. find us. We do exist. So this is the thing. I found you guys a few years back, apparently. You tell me that's a different group than the one you were a part of. That's a Ooh. Facebook group. Okay. Uh, so we're not going to talk about that because apparently you nope. said it was a scam. Um, um, uh, allegedly, allegedly. 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 Right? But okay. we're not going to mention who, who they are so they can't do anything about uh, it. I mean... We're not. You don't say the name. Uh, no, 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 no. No names. But here's the thing. I think there is a general... Uh, conception uh, of people that once you pay for something, there has to be a certain value that you add. And I think my problem with the idea of charging anybody, specifically writers, because I am so protective of that, Mm. because I feel like there are a lot of people who get scammed by a lot of corporations and publishing, sorry, publishers um, out there that basically pry on their money. Okay. They charge, uh, I think, $2,000, $3,000 to do simple things that you can do for free. And that's the idea. And people assume that once I have a, a company, um, okay, I was about to name drop. But, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have to be careful. Yes. Um, 
you can get sued. Yeah. <laughs> Be, it's okay. not I, fun, I, I is mean, it? They still call me. I don't understand so you, why. You can go back and, and rewrite okay. this and re-edit this, okay? I can't do that when I'm on the air. Fair. When okay. I'm on radio, how does it feel? <laughs> Very stressful. Very stressful. But no, but in this format, we can. Exactly. So don't worry about it. In that sense, so, don't be stressed out. Okay. Have fun. We're going through it. <laughs> yeah. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody's no, watching no, no. this. It's, it's fine, man. All right. Um, so you, you, let's just set an example here for everybody okay. that would like to get into the writing process. Uh-huh. You've had a support group and you know people that would help you I out. I created one. Okay. It so didn't you, exist before. When you started six years ago. Yeah. Was that officially when you started or were you writing with a, a group before that? I mean, here's the thing. I, I used to write since I was a kid. Um, like the first story I wrote was about, a, uh, a, I think, an astronaut called Leo mm. uh, that went to Mars and discovered there it, it's crawling with life. And, and he was trying to get treaties done and stuff. And, and I think by the time I finished it, um, so, um, my brother's wife actually told me, oh, I, our professor in, in, in college kind of you know writes. So do you mind if I show him this? And I was just, I think, seven or six years old. I was like, sure, that was so exciting. I still haven't received it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think I, I, I think I, by nature, I think I was always a storyteller, right? I, I enjoy telling stories and, and kind of sh- taking readers through a journey because that's, to me, it's always going to be an experience. So could you and not find mentors and people that were ahead nothing, of you here? Nothing. Nobody. Nobody existed. Nobody. There was no platform whatsoever. And I think that's the difficult part of it. Um, I, I think because part of it is I want to be the one that actually does that. I want to be the person who tries things and fails. And, and that's why, by the way, I, I post everything I know on, on my website, on my blog. I don't keep secrets because... It is a generally understood concept that authors do not compete with one another because there is no way two authors can write the same story. They can have the same idea, same concept, but it's always going to be different. Yeah, but you can definitely compete for the title of Bahrain's first fantasy writer. I mean, why, why should you? You shouldn't, but apparently that's a thing that people covet. Apparently, Um, apparently my, my news of you coming on the show has uh, uh, surprised uh, people. No, 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 <laughs> no, don't, no, don't, no. <laughs> don't go there. Okay. Don't go there. <laughs> All right. So I mean, without going into that, that realm, do you uh-huh. feel like it is competitive then behind people do look at it like it, because from the fields, the creative fields that I've been in, there have been, a, there's been a surprising amount of ego considering that very little money is involved. If any, I mean, generally, I think here's the thing. The cold, hard truth about writing is um, forget about if you, if you write to make money, you're going to be so disappointed because it's going to take you a long time until you actually either break even or make a profit. And I think over the over the years I've published, I think uh, so Titan or two is going to be my fourth full novel. And I, I, th- I think six or seven short stories. I'm not sure. Anyways, um, so. It took me about, I think, three years or, or close to four years to actually turn a profit and get the process down. And I think generally what people don't understand is you can't publish a book and expect it to sell. Yeah. And, even, and, and even traditionally published authors are actually figuring this out now that their publishers are not going to market them forever. Right. You, you, you're, you're expected to do some of the legwork as well. That's why they're pushing everybody to, to build their own newsletter, which is a very core backbone of the author, honestly. 
And do you feel like some of the people that you meet now after you've set up the support group and the network of people that you know, from the younger people that come to you and can see you as someone that's now taking the steps forward, you're a mentor for them. Do they feel, are they resistant to take on so many hats and, and to, to I, play so many parts? I mean, see, it's difficult because honestly, I don't understand, uh, b- because to me it's different. Because I never took holidays or, 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 or you know, days off work to just go out and have fun and spend it with friends. I don't do that. I just work. You know, I, I like I always try to take uh, days off when I have a big release coming off so I can focus all my energy and all my efforts in there. Um, so generally, I think people underestimate the amount of work that it takes. Yeah. And because I come from an entrepreneurial background, so and I work in sales and marketing as well, so I understand the concepts. And I okay, think so. You have a little bit of an advantage in that sense. You've actually spent some time in that world, but it doesn't feel as weird of a transition for you. Or do you still hesitate, as in you're not fully invested in one aspect over the other? We here's the thing. I think, um, like I I mentioned before, the three hats that an indie author has, right? Yeah. So. After the writer writes the story, the marketeer has to figure out how to market it. Yeah. yeah. And exactly, there are a lot of, uh, let's say, shortcuts that you can take. So I did the work. It's posted on my website. Go figure it out. Like, don't don't start from scratch. Get my knowledge. Get everything I know. You can, I mean, the challenging part is is that I, I think when I started, I usually counted the hours it takes me to explain someone what I did entirely. But now it's getting to be a bit long. So I I feel that people can take that out of context as well. And you don't charge anybody for this wisdom, for this experience. Okay, so what are some of the traps that people have fallen into? Because I've seen it happen where even in other fields, you know, it's like, oh, come take my workshop. Can you see my smirk? I can see your smirk. Now, I'm wondering, is that smirk going to translate into some drama? No. No, no drama alerts here. Oh, I need Sarod for this. Come on, man. (laughs) Sarod gives me the juicy shit. Come on. What do you got for me? I don't appreciate you throwing shade on on, on people who (laughs) vape, by the way. (laughs) Hey, man, I told you. If you're vaping in a business setting, it, it... Okay. It's a, not a good sign. It's a substitute for smoking. It's still bad, but not as bad. You shouldn't be smoking at that age anyway. At 18, sure, you should not man. be vaping. <laughs> I, I mean, here's the thing. If you vape, you're 18 years old and you think you can do an event, think again. Right. Rethink your priorities, please. Check out the last episode with Reem and Saud from The Cult if you want to know what we're talking about in context. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. So in this case, you've you've seen people fall into certain traps when they want to develop their writing, they want to uh-huh. develop their publishing skills or their marketing skills. What are some of the traps you can help people out with that you know I about mean, in, in Bahrain specifically? Okay. So generally, I think uh, self-publishing doesn't cost you a thing. A writer should never pay to publish his work. A writer should always be paid. There's the difference. So I think uh, there are a lot of, uh, let's say, let let me sum it up this way. There are three specific publishing routes. Hmm. Two, if you you discount the scammy one, but I'll mention it. Okay. Okay. There's traditionally published authors, which go through the process of finding an agent and then the agent sells the book to a publisher and the publisher takes care of the editing, the marketing, the cover and everything. So, and the indie authors, they do it all themselves. And we utilize um, platforms like Amazon, like Ingram, uh, like Ingram or, uh, wow, this is embarrassing. 
Okay. I should be the publishing expert, right? You should be. Uh, uh, <laughs> you, you just made so, that claim anyway, but... <laughs> I, I mean, here's the thing. I don't, I don't claim to be an expert of anything. No, not necessarily so, an expert. <laughs> generally. Any, but, but you, you outed your claim uh, by I mean, saying it. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so generally, it. so there are different, uh, we call it uh, print-on-demand publishers. Right. right? Okay. So the process is very smooth, very straightforward. They, you publish the manuscript, assuming you have one. Um, you should take care of the editing, everything aside from that, which is a different story completely. Always freaking edit your book. You are not as good as you think. What do you mean by <laughs> the edit? Do you mean so some people don't even go back and redraft? No. no. People, no. people I, I swear to God, this is one of, one of the like basic... first draft. First draft, published. I'm a great author. La, la, la. I, <laughs> I swear. And, and the challenge with that is because... You, you, you try to explain to them, see, it's not your fault. You might be the best um, 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 at, at spelling or writing. But what is their logic? Is that they didn't make a mistake? No way. No way. Because, and here's the thing. No, I read my book three times over. It's without a, a single mistake. No, because your brain can't see the mistakes. It's, it, yeah. you, you read what you, what you think is there, but it's not there. Your, your brain is filling in gaps. Exactly. Yeah, and that's 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 I think one of the prime mistakes that happen to authors. The second one is falling to the through the trap of of the hybrid publishers. What does that mean? Um, Some kind of so mutant. we spoke about traditionally published authors, right. about ind- independent authors. Okay, there's a third category, which basically they utilize the print-on-demand concepts to publish authors and charge them for it, and that's the part I struggle with. Okay. And I think uh, there is a specific uh, company when I began to research uh, about publishing and all, all that different routes. Um, they, I, I, I fell in, in one of their traps where they got my number and they kept calling persistently throughout the years. They still call me and I'm like, guys, you don't know shit about my region. You don't know shit about... My audience, my you have nothing. You can but offer me nothing. They have your email, but they have <laughs> the my number. And can... for some reason, yeah. they keep calling even when I ridicule all of their arguments. Like, what can you offer me that I can't do myself? Right. We can do marketing. I have. My, I can do my own marketing. We can do. <laughs> I don't know. Like, we can. You can. We can. You can set your own price. It, that's already a thing. But we we know how to do that better. Exactly. How how do you do it? We don't know, but we'll figure it out better. Uh, Why? <laughs> so I, I I think the general uh, I think. But are they are they like an entity that exists in the region, or are they like overseas? Very recently, one exists in this region. Oh, okay. So this is something that happens here as well. Yes. Okay. So that's why I think I feel I need to warn authors often, mm. and I always do that. So don't pay to publish your books. Just do it yourself. Yeah. So, and the process, here's the thing. If you, if you don't want to do it, you want to pay someone to do it, that's, dif- that's a different case. But yeah. you should know you should not have to. So what are the odds of somebody actually getting picked up by a publishing house? It, uh, traditionally. Yeah. I mean, it's very slim, honestly. Yeah. I mean... But the, do you usually go through years of being an indie author, then yes. somebody's... No, here's the thing. I, I mean, in, in, in uh, very recently, there was a stigma about being independent, where it's like, if you go the self-publishing route, you are doomed. No yeah. agents will want a book that has been published before. But what but other I, route was there? You just exactly. sent your... There was, there was no route. It was a controlled environment. 
And they had so much leverage and so much control over the process that it's starting to fade right now. And that's freaking them out. Because so these gatekeepers would, would expect you to they come don't with, exist. with... Okay, so back in the day, they'd expect you to come to like an expo and show your work or to send it in uh, and then maybe somebody reads it? I mean, generally, see, uh, the standard process is that you would email, uh, you, you would query authors. Uh, yeah. Sorry, you, you'd query, uh, query agents. And if someone bites, they ask for the manuscript and you have to wait six or seven months for them to, to read it and, and take a decision whether um, they're going to take you on as an author and represent you or not. And generally, I think uh, it's it can be a bit more complicated because sometimes agents don't like simultaneous uh, submissions. So you have right. to you have to wait for him to decline, and then approach other agents. Oh shit! Yes, that's a long time. It's a very long process. So you might as well be writing another book whilst you're doing this. Exactly. Some 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 writers actually write the entire trilogy, and they and then they try to find an agent because it's better to sell a series than a standalone book. Yeah. And the process honestly is is crucial it, it's it's crucifying so our souls are crushed during this yeah. period, this phase and then it's just the matter of like oh no he's from this region and he's not talking about exactly this therefore i'm not interested sometimes it's challenging yeah you know? I, can, I can see that that would be the case like i feel like with at least the independent route is that once you build your own core audience you know, I remember somebody saying this about, you know, if you're even just if you're a YouTuber or if you're anything else, if you have a thousand loyal followers and they actually like your work and they feel like, you know what, I, this guy speaks my language. I understand him. I feel I relate to him. I relate to his stories, what he's putting out there. I'll pay to, to read this. Exactly. That's a thousand people. And and here's the thing. I want I want to I want to tell you a story because I think generally there was a quote that was often being thrown uh, on Twitter and everywhere. It's like uh, the quote goes like, "I struggle with people who spend like ten to fifteen dollars on a cup of coffee every day, but uh, stress spending five dollars on a book that that took." one year to finish and finalize isn't that crazy i it, it is does that drive you crazy like do you I do, mean, do you feel like you go to starbucks or somewhere else and you're just like fuckers here's the, here's the thing it's used to it's used to and I'll, and I'll tell you why in one of my newsletters that i spend yeah. uh, that i send to my readers um i i used that quote and i got a reply I, I i forgot the name but however he told me that i just want to let you know what some of your readers might think right. some of us cannot afford it right because we have to wait for a long time for a very good deal. You know, it has to be a bargain. It has to be, uh, you know, a bundle, a bunch of books. But because some of us actually cannot afford it. And not everyone can afford the $15 coffee. Yeah, no, that's and, fair. But there are people you'd see at one of my shows that they're literally buying the coffee in front of you. And, you know, you know what they're worth. You know what they spend on. To each his own. Coffee. Yeah, of course. Of course. But I'm just saying but, that it's I, like I, I don't I don't. I don't, I don't want to judge and shame yeah. specifically people that I know would like, if you don't feel like something's quality, don't pay for it. Books are, here's, I, I think there's, there's another stigma with books generally. Mm. And here's the thing. Um, no one knows this better than writers and readers here locally, yeah. because in general, I, I remember a conversation I had with someone where I asked them, oh, so by the way, what kind of books do you read? And they looked at me and they said, Ew, I don't read. And I looked at them and I was like, 
you're not supposed to be proud when you say that. <laughs> so, but that's that's reality. That I'm okay with dealing with. Like, like for example, if I, if I if somebody you know like when we do a stand up show uh-huh. or we do any kind of improv show or anything else. And I say, you know, I don't feel like what we're offering is value for people to pay at the door. So I'll be like, just waive the fee. Let them have fun. Let them come in. Mm-hmm. But there are people that are they're, they're so entitled that even when a show is free, free, <laughs> as in uh, they don't they can walk out. They don't have to demand anything. They will sit there and criticize and criticize, or even just have a conversation, or be on their uh-huh. phone. And if you if you call them out on that, and you know, they would say, oh, well, I'm not interested. I don't like the show. It's like, okay, get the fuck out. It's a free show. <laughs> you you paid for crap. You paid, uh-huh. And you paid zero for crap. So in, in my head, it's, it's just about that. It's specifically that. So, and yeah. Uh, here's, a, here's the thing. I think when a reader kind of invests their, uh, their hard-earned cash on a book, that book generally has, a, let's say, a goal to do. And most people, by the way, uh, those that tried to read one book, they couldn't finish it and just stopped reading altogether, thinking that reading is just not for them. I want to tell... Where's the people's camp? Here. It's right there. It's on you right now. It's not your fault. <laughs> okay. It's because not your fault that you exactly. can't read. No, 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 no. It's what? not your fault. You, here's the thing. Because uh, I think there there are very... Uh, like the genres that, that exist, right? Mm. So for me, I can't stand nonfiction. Yeah, I, I, for me, nonfiction is non-thank you. Yeah. So, uh, in general, um, when someone picks up a book, usually it's always the author's responsibility to glue them to the pages. Yes, yeah, true. So it's not your fault. Where it's not your fault. <laughs> Try I, another one. <laughs> I, I was gonna say something different about how, but it's pretty much the same meaning, which is mm. I used to say to people that to- told me. You know, I don't read. It's impressive that you read. And I'd say, like, no, there's a lot of these books that I don't read. And they'd uh-huh. say, but yeah, but you read some. I said, well, the, the ones that speak to me. So when I first started trying to read, nothing really would, was clicking with me. Everything mm. that I would pick up that say, this is, not, no, this is not for me. This is too wordy. This is for me. But then a specific writer or a specific genre uh-huh. or a specific type of book, that's when I found it. I couldn't stop not reading it. Exactly. And then I found the ones... That I thought I thought I unlocked reading. I thought that was like something, <laughs> you know, like you got the skill points, mm-hmm. the experience went boom, you got the level, now I have one okay. point in reading, I can read anything. Then I realized, no, 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 I can't read anything. Okay. I have to read the things that either my mind has begun to grasp, can see the depth in or the scope in or understand, or I just stick to the things that I already like and, and those are the ones that I can read. Mm-hmm. So whenever I talk to anybody in the future, I just say, no, you, maybe you just haven't found the book for you. And that yeah. means anything. Maybe it's you like historical fiction. That's maybe your thing. And, and if true. you were reading that, you'd feel special about it. But you're still a dick if you come to one of my shows and you haven't paid <laughs> jack shit at the door. Zero. Zero dinar. Nothing. And you still complain. And you still complain. I have no sympathy for you. Abdullah Nazar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. He did it, not me. Uh, I, All right. <laughs> yeah. So that being said, right, what do you, we, we, I want to come back full circle to what you said before with the fact that you say a lot of people will say they want to support local artists uh-huh. and local creatives. Now, you've talked about how difficult the process can be for somebody going through the independent publishing route. Uh-huh. Now, getting people to actually see it at a local level, how come it was easier for you to find the support overseas than it was here? I mean, in, in uh, specifically, here's the thing. Um, my books were listed 
in a very big and popular library that I will not name because, okay. because I'm, I'm not sure. Should I? Is it a company? It is. Is it very well known? It's okay. You can name it. You, you just don't trash it. You say allegedly or okay. Say, here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to say exactly what happened. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to twist or exaggerate or do anything else. Okay. Right. So in general, my books were listed in Joshin Mall, which is one of the biggest bookshops uh, locally. That's right? where I first found your book, actually. Dragon okay. Tooth, yeah. Fair enough. How did you find it? It was there at the counter at the cashier. Okay. So that that see that's the experience of book one, right? So it's it, it, essentially what it became to, because I think uh, because the way that I published my book it was uh, back then it was through Create Space which is a company that no longer exists. Unfortunately, they merged with KDP. But um, generally, I think the process was that I have to bring the physical copies and have them resell it, okay. technically, right? So my argument was, why are you hiding books by local authors in a corner where a lot of people came to me and said, we went specifically to look for your book. We asked them for the book. We asked for the title. They said... It's here. We can't find it. So what? that was very painful to me because number one, um, it's very damaging uh, to an author's reputation. That's number one. Number two, why should I bring you business and you do not do the same for me? Yeah. You should give us a better uh, display. Yeah. Honestly, was because it, was it their intent to incentivize local writers to publish and I mean, di like distribute it at their venue? Or here's their... here's the thing. I think after uh, after my book was displayed, I think a lot of local authors figured out the possibility and figured out the process of actually displaying their books at uh, places like that. Right. Okay. So I think so. I think that generally played a part in it because I think um, in essence. They were worried about the quality of the books, which I completely understand, by the way, because not every book um, is, can, I mean, not every indie book can go against traditionally published uh, books because yeah. normally those are with giant budgets. They go through multiple and dozens of rounds of edits mm. and a single round consists of three editing types. So it's an unfair comparison. Right. Yeah. But that's why I pushed my process to be as close to the real thing as possible, because I, and, and generally another uh, this is one of the other mistakes that writers by uh, aspiring authors, let's say, fall into. They pick up a book at the library. They see the language, the style, the, the let's say the approach, the flow of the book and they see the cover and they go, there is no way in hell my idea is going to be that. And I'm here to tell them, you're wrong. It can be. <laughs> Camera's okay. not on you right now, but I'll do Damn it. it. You're wrong. <laughs> it can be. My people's can. <laughs> the okay. people's can will be back at you right now. It's there. Okay. okay. So uh, generally, I think that's the thing that uh, aspiring authors should realize. It's a process. Here's the thing. Writer's block does not exist. It's all in your head. Yeah. Um, but what what did, what did, what scares them or intimidates them the most? Is it the flow of the words? The fact that they are not native speakers to that that it, genre? It's a or? combination of both, I'd say. But generally, here's the thing: the people, it, it, authors are really scared when they stop writing because yeah. it's it's very uh, it's it's a very painful process for us to force ourselves to write, and yeah. that's 
that's the discipline that you have to build as a writer, right? Especially if you can't do it full time. It's really weird, right? I don't it understand is. it because it's the same for me when I'm I'm scripting or I'm doing anything like writing jokes or bits for the uh-huh. stage, and just sitting down and plopping my head and saying, okay, from nine a.m. to ten a.m., I don't care how long it takes. I have to figure out at least a paragraph. I have mm-hmm. to figure out something, concept. I have to brainstorm and not get distracted. And there's some resistance to starting. Mm. But once you start, it goes. It flows. And and basically, here's the thing. Why, uh, why, I, uh, why authors go through writer's block, it's always a process problem. It's a problem with your process. Because you have to trust your process more than yourself. Yeah. And in, in, in a lot of ways... Um, People stop writing because they have no idea where the story is going. And you have to go back to to the drawing board. And there are a lot of authors like Stephen King who yeah. do not believe in outlining. And that I feel... We'll, uh, we'll explain outlining to people. And, uh, to and me. Basically, a, a book outline is basically a general conception of what the story is going to be. Right? Okay. So some people do it extremely by chapter, by, you know, idea, by concept, and others, you know, have a lax uh, version of it. However, it still exists. You have to outline. There, there's no escaping it. Yeah. And and the quotes that people use, oh, look at Stephen King. He doesn't outline. He's Stephen fucking King. Yeah. He's He doesn't have to. He probably has an outline in his head. Exactly. He just doesn't know how to say it. You know, he just goes. He just yeah. writes. And, and that's the that's another trap. Don't compare yourself to another author, especially Stephen King. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I was publishing a book, um, me and a bunch of authors were working really hard on marketing our uh, and pre, uh, to set up pre-orders and everything for months, for months. And then suddenly there's a just a, an alert. Stephen, a new book by Stephen King went to pre-order. There's no cover. There's no description. Number one bestseller and everything. Yeah. And I'm like... That's not fair. You won. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Steven, stop. Well, he's getting back. He's offending people these days. He's getting backlash for defending, uh, what's her name from Harry Potter? J.K. Rowling. Yeah, J.K. Rowling. She was uh, oh. getting into some controversial stuff as well. We're not going to get into it, but just if it helps, if that's some karma for you to feel that for a bit. I, I, I love Harry Potter, by the way. Yeah. I, I, I love the books. I love the movies, but I do not enjoy the author. As a person, you mean? As a person, I, I dis- disagree with a lot of, uh, let's say, uh, approaches that she takes when, okay. it, when, when she discloses certain things. and she What makes... do you mean by that? By comments on society and culture? Or do you mean like as stuff relating to her books? Everything. No, not, not see, books are, are, are a different story, mm. right? But everything that you do as an author reflects on all of us. So in general, I think if you ch- try to change the narrative, change the... Uh, let's say the story to fit a certain idea. And yes, I am talking about PewDiePie. I have a very, a very big problem with someone who manipulates a narrative to fit into a very, uh, let's say, uh, racist uh, approach. Right. Let's say. So, what you are doing is you're not disclosing the full truth. You are sticking to to an argument. You you refuse to learn the facts. Don't talk. Don't make the argument. You're not supposed to. Right. Right? But is it is it or why why do we expect them to have to represent everybody? That's I I, I don't know, honestly. And here's Is the it thing. because of their platform? 
I, I generally think that um, we have to hold people accountable to the concepts and opinions they have based on certain things. So when it comes to writing, sure, ask authors. When it comes to politics, when it comes to religion, when it comes to, you know, um, let's say uh, problems at a society, uh, society level, don't ask authors. Yeah. Normally, we, don't, we, we just Google stuff, by the way. But if they, so... say, if they say it out loud and people get offended... Is that their mistake, or is it just people should just there's basically a tell them to? See, what? There's a difference. Okay. So if you generalize a st- uh, let's say a stereotype, if you if you alter a narrative and people call you out on it and you get them blocked, hmm. do you get it? Okay. <laughs> is this a don't do it. Don't specific e- person that you have uh, had a relationship with? When, I with plead him? the fifth. Okay, something has happened in your. Uh, uh, I guess well, your I, I have a lot of stories with J.K. Rowling, by the way. Really? I, I've had a, yeah, I've had an interaction with her, and it was oh yeah, a personal or a Twitter reaction? A Twitter uh, incident, okay. let's say. But in general, here's the thing, uh, and I'm really sorry, but you're going to have to edit this out. There's an internet meme about J.K. Rowling that J.K. Rowling is a cunt. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think I'm editing it out, but I, 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 I please, <laughs> please do. It. Don't get me canceled, Khalid. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to do something. But I, I've pretty much established this show. This show has no edits. Uh, yeah. You okay there? I'm don't fine. Worry. We'll figure something out. Okay. We'll figure something out. But we'll, we'll figure something I, out tomorrow when I am canceled. Yes. Okay. Don't worry, don't worry. They, 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 they'll, pick, they'll pick on you later. Okay. You, you need to learn how to use your brown card, okay? Am I brown? I, I don't... You're I don't... pretty brown. Okay. You're, you're brown enough for them, okay? Okay. White people aren't going to judge you right now, okay? I, mean, I, I get it, America. I know you're sensitive. I know you have to deal with a lot of stuff right now. I know that the people in the States as well are actually trying to be uh, all, all about, you know, the PC culture. Everything needs to be done right. But we're living in a world right now in the Middle East where a lot of what we've experienced is a lot of inequality for a very long time. And a lot of things that we're still struggling with that is pretty much the 1950s. So judging a lot of things that are said here with mm-hmm. that metric is just unrealistic because we we have to live in a world where we can't afford to just not talk to the people that offend us. Very true. I think I think there's a privilege that exists in the U.S. at the moment that a lot of people don't speak about, which is the privilege of being able to just say, I don't talk to you, I don't see you, I don't know you. And uh, unfortunately, I don't feel like we have that here. And True. However, I think generally people in the U.S. are upset that although that is the fact, mm. there are a specific, uh, let's say, uh, group of people that are being targeted and they feel sick about the situation that they have been because although people can talk about free speech it's one thing uh to actually uphold it and i think that that in in a way has not been implemented fully because here's the thing and people 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 kind of forget this too how long do you think slavery ended uh, it's a very short while ago, technically speaking, for rights. If you're talking specifically about rights, if you're talking about the rest of the world, it hasn't officially, ended. Yeah, officially. If, if you're talking about the rest of the world, there's a lot of types of modern slavery, slavery that still exist. So, uh, yeah, I have a I have a good quote for you about that. But first, 
so here's the thing. I think as a society and as a culture uh, specifically, we figured out that slavery is bad. Let's end it, right? Okay, yeah. So then uh, what happened next? Did we, did, we, did we analyze it? Did we study it? Do we teach it? Or did we just ignore it? Ignore it? It even existed. Oh, I feel like there's certain cultures that completely ignore it. So, um, for example, I I don't like this this there's this uh, there's this idea that's come specifically from the states um, that slavery has only taken one shape or one form. Okay, and it's racist. Now, uh-huh. the problem I have with that is that that doesn't answer the question, which is how do you deal with slavery that doesn't ha- that does not share the problems of race. But I, I think there there's a quote in Titan Lord, by the way, about slavery. Um, oh, is this the scene at the market? Yes. Yes. It it goes like people do it willingly. It, it, people do it willingly yeah. because I think corporations uh, have figured out how to make the cage invisible, mm-hmm. and the chains just disappear. So I felt like you were making a political comment there. It, it wasn't necessarily a political comment. It's it's more of a feeling that I feel we we as a society we can screw up sometimes, but we have to study our past. We cannot ignore it. We can we can't pretend slavery was not a thing. That is not a thing. We can't just move on and pretend nothing happened and and hope that future generations forget uh, catastrophes. But do you think that a, a part of the problem isn't just that people look at you know old stories, old experiences, and just say that didn't happen? Or are we also just ignoring how complicated it was? So do you, for example, as a writer, mm-hmm. do you feel like the books, uh, you know, Huckleberry Finn and, and, and all those things that are notorious for having the N-word in them, okay. should they be censored? Or are they actually something that you know, shows the reality of what it was like to live in the South at that time. I, I feel like um, it depends on the context, right? So a Quentin, uh, Quentin Tarantino movie to show us how, uh, let's say, the situation was uh, when it happened, I think the severity of it uh, justifies uh, the use of, of the N-word, right? And um, I, I feel like I have to go back to that Leonardo DiCaprio uh, story where he was actually struggling because of the time, how many times he was saying the N-word. And then uh, Samuel L. Jackson pulled him and said, can I say it? Motherfucker, this is just another Tuesday for us. <laughs> so in general, I think um, when, you, when you put things on a canvas, you, you as an artist uh, are not the one uh, let's say saying it right so for example if i talk about slavery in the book it's not that i condone slavery it's i'm making a statement and i am trying to get people to understand the concepts uh, and the consequences of having these concepts which again just so nobody takes this out of context this does not mean that people can use the n-word in books and 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 anything <laughs> whatsoever yeah but in general this is just uh I mean, do, do authors or artists have a license to do whatever they want? I think they should. I think we're not politicians. I don't like the idea of like pretending like we have a, an insurmountable level of power that could not just be adjusted by having the person who's reading the book make up their own mind. I think that it's it's good, actually, for somebody to be, I guess, a little bit infected by bad ideas. Uh-huh. So if you come across somebody that actually has a bad idea, 
Okay. Let's say they – let's assume the worst nightmare for somebody that wants to make sure that all speech is regulated. Okay. Which is you have somebody that's espousing negative ideology and they're talking about slavery and they're talking about all this stuff. If you don't have that out there, you cannot build an immunity to it. And what I've noticed growing up in a culture and growing up in Saudi in a place where people try to regulate it completely and censor what people say and how they think in a lot of ways, right? Okay. And, and I'm talking specifically by the fact that, you know, you have a level of regulation when it comes to the content that you, you can consume, mm-hmm. uh, whether there's certain books, certain video games, certain movies. What you'd end up doing is people don't get a, a tool set developed at a young age where they can actually dissect ideas and concepts and make up their own mind. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening is this vacuum where it's like you've raised a kid in a bubble where they've never experienced any bacteria, no viruses whatsoever. And then one day they get exposed to somebody or with an idea that is so that is powerful that they don't have any tools to resist it. And now this idea, though, has taken on the shape and form of something new that none of the, the, the correctness and the censorship None of that was able to actually f- be able to predict it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So you can say, yeah, 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 this is bad. You know, this is bad. We're not going to talk about this topic. This is infringing on people's rights. This is doing this. This is doing this. This is engendering hate. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to be able to predict the hate of the future. True. Very true. There's going to be a, something new that comes down the line. And if people are not able to kind of build the tools to look at somebody's ideas, listen to them, and figure out, you know, I think this is where he's kind of telling the truth. And this is where this person is lying. Exactly. And I think as a society, we have to be very careful with that. So if we agree with someone, we don't worship them. We don't agree with yeah. every single concept. It, it's not a prerequisite, right? So you can agree with some of the things that I say and disagree with some of the things that I say too. It's fine. And generally, I think... Um, what we have to, to what we have to reach, and here's the thing, this is why I take uh, you know logic and common sense in 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 a very let's say uh, underlined stance because if you want to talk about logic, a couple of thousand years ago, people sacrificed humans to appease the gods because it was raining. Yeah, because kids. to them it made sense. The sky is raining. I have to kill someone and. Give them as a sacrifice to appease the gods. You know what's an even creepier thought, a scarier thought, is that that's been more common for a longer period of time than our Uh time here where we consider ourselves, you know, finally civilized, finally doing the right thing. Like, you you take any person from the eras Mm -hmm. before, and this is one of the things I said on stage where I was trying to equate that, you know, these the concepts that we're scared of today. They're a lot more complicated than we give them credit for. Not that they're good things, but that they're complicated. Uh-huh. So if you brought a person from the past and you said, hey, you know, slavery is racist. If you said that to a colonial, he'd be like, oh, no, fuck you. We're the ultimate race, right? Exactly. Well, I don't believe in that. This but is then, how it's always been. This is how it's always been. But then if you take it to a Roman or an Arab back in the ancient days and you told them, hey, slavery is racist. And they'd be like, no. What do you mean Racist. I take everybody equally. <laughs> Equal opportunity slavery. Equal. <laughs> that, that, that's a great part. That, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So things are not as, like, they can still be bad or good on a different varying level uh-huh. of spectrum, but we have to be honest about the levels of complication involved. And that's the reason why people back then were able to justify so many things, because this spectrum of right and wrong 
mm-hmm. is so confusing when it's not in the right context. Exactly. And context changes for so many times. Like, I think uh, coming up with the new normal, for example, right? So uh, generally, I think uh, we as a society have evolved so much. We have a long way to co- we have a long way to go still. Yeah. But I think we're on the right track. I think because, we are. Yeah, yeah. Because I think here's the thing. I've had a lot of people contact me and say that I am shocked that there is someone, uh, you know, a writer like you who is based here, um, born and raised, and still manages to reach an audience, uh, an international audience. And that's the idea that I want to... What what are they shocked about? Just the fact that you were able to reach? Or is it just that your ideas specifically are In general, here's the thing. Writers... Uh, our audience are always international, right? So right. my answer to them is always, why are you limiting yourself? Your audience is international. Yeah. So you're not restricted based on where you are. We have the internet for some reason. Because uh, of Al Gore. Was it Al Gore, really? Apparently. No, I, I I've never it, looked into it. It was invented was the by claim. the CIA, I, yeah, I guess. But, uh, if you ask Al Gore, he was responsible for why it came to being. Apparently, he takes credit for all of it. Okay. I, I think. I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass. I don't know. <laughs> but whenever somebody I mean, asks, it's Al th- Gore. That sounds like Al Gore, but... Right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, you're saying that you have the internet now. You don't need to, even with this platform, you don't need to localize. You don't need to... You, you, exactly. you can find your audience. Be yourself. And, yeah. and here's the thing. I remember a lot of uh, influencers right now that have reached a stage in their career where they are making uh, so much money, they're so, uh, they're so successful mm. that I was in the same room with them when someone told them, quit YouTube. Right. If you want to be taken seriously by the industry, quit YouTube. And this was, this was people who were working in marketing and, and sales and, and that stuff? Or what kind I, of industries I mean, were they I, working I, I could name him, but I, I'm not sure. I, I think I know. Do you? Maybe. Do you, Khalid? First name R starts with, ends with the J as well. Last name J. No. No? Then maybe, no? Okay. Maybe it's in gaming? No. Is it? No. Okay, I breathe creativity. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, okay. It should, it should be obvious, okay, I guess. Okay, okay. Fair but enough. But honestly, the guy is fantastic. He's done some amazing work. Uh, but I remember being in the same room where he asked a, quest, a certain question uh, to a director. Uh, and that director told him, if you want to be serious about this, mm. quit YouTube. So he's now at, what, what 3 million subscribers? Mm. So ignore people who tell... See, uh, the naysayers, you know, I, I remember uh, this... Th- Is this person ha- had a recent controversy on Twitter? Did he put a f- picture up and then had to take it down? I plead the fifth. Oh, okay. Okay. You've lost me, sir. I, I respect his work. I respect the the fact that he's went on that journey. But people are allowed to screw up. Of course I mean, they are. We've made, we've made fun of him on the show here. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's not interesting. Just for one video. For, okay. For one specific one. That's fair. Where he dressed up as a... As a what? What with, do you do? With a creepy mustache. I, I did okay, not I'll, see I'll that. show you the video. Okay. Don't worry, okay. we're not going to talk about it now. Okay. We'll show, I'll show you the video later. Okay. So, but in any case, all right. So you're saying they definitely have had success. They've, they've definitely unaccounted for. They've uh-huh. he's he's made uh, waves. He's made ripples across the region. I'll I'll tell you something. And he, this is a funny story, by the way, because when I was writing uh, my first book, Dragon Tooth, 
mm. right? I remember I had to deal with a lot of people who were just comparing, like, don't don't compare books. So I, I uh, they told me, okay, you're working on a book. Can I read a chapter? And I was new, so mm. I didn't know any better. I was like, yeah, of course, I'm excited. Someone wants to read my book. Read. And then they go... This reads like Harry Potter because this part no 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 it doesn't. Mm. Harry Potter has wizards. I have dragons. <laughs> Fuck off. So, and and I had to deal with that so many times where people kind of went uh, to the negative routes, right? Immediately. Immediately. And once I published the book, Watson. Once I hit that button, publish. And and generally it takes a few days for Amazon to publish. Anyways, uh, so once I click that button. Immediately, the comments that that I receive are different. Okay. Those same names naysayers came to me and said, "I always knew you could do it." Oh, really? I remember when when you were when we were little, you showed me a story you wrote. I'm like, I I didn't. I remember. Just don't forget, I bought that book before I knew you. God damn it! Okay. <laughs> don't forget, it, it, I, I have a piece of history uh-huh. right there. Okay, it's not available for sale, by the way. No, so. <laughs> but this was from Jashin Mall. You can see in the back. You can see uh, how much I paid for it as well. Okay. Just letting you know. Wow. <laughs> okay. So I was Fair an enough. early supporter. Okay. Without even realizing it. Without even realizing it, right? So uh, there, now you... Why did you buy it? Did it grab your attention? Did you know it was by a local author? The, lit, the second I knew was a local author writing fantasy. I didn't care if it was crap or if it was okay. good. I wanted to, to find out who this person was. That's it. That's so cool. And and I, and I feel like this is a good good time as well to discuss how we first met. How about that? Yes. All right. Okay. Okay. Go so ahead. so where's my people scam? There, it's right there. So people, uh, when I first met Khalid. Uh, I heard him on the radio a few times, right? And I, th- this was during the times when I was actually uh, uh, part of the alumni executive board at Polytechnic, uh, right? Which Illuminati. is my university. What? Nothing. Go ahead. Illuminati. Okay. <laughs> Don't get me started on that bullshit. Right. But anyways, um, so uh, I get the invite, right, to this uh, event that is being organized and uh, completely by uh, the marketing department. I know what you want to say. Don't say shit. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, so basically I go there. I sit with, I, I, I think, two other uh, board members as well. We're, we're sitting there and, and I'm, I'm just drinking some juice and eating. And suddenly Khalid goes on stage as a comedian and makes fun of my book <laughs> and he's like oh look tra- dragon tooth there are magic councils i guess they, they, there should be a union as well and and i'm just looking at that at this guy and i'm like what the fuck D- did i do something to you what, what's going on and, and then and then the funny part is when you when you were when you were making those jokes i had already published titan lord and i was like I could tell because is... you didn't stop plugging it during exactly. the show. What did I really? Yeah, you did. Okay. <laughs> it's like no, no, no. Now it's Titan Lord. Titan Lord. Okay. And and th- th- that was the crazy part. Yeah. I I loved uh, I loved that part honestly because I here's the thing. I know that a lot of people because I think in our in our region making fun of someone is offensive. Actually, apparently, yeah. Uh, Even when they tell you to come and make jokes about yeah. the whole alumni and. I, I asked them. Uh, that that depends. You kind of bullied him, but oh, that guy, the 
the the guy that went up on stage. Which, he he which was being one? the dick, man. Which one? Oh, are you talking about the dean later? Who are you talking about? Don't yeah, name drop. There's two separate. I, there's two separate occasions. Technically, I'm not part of the board, so yeah, I don't exactly. care anymore. But. So to give you guys some context, there's two separate occasions, both with the, the polytechnic thing. Okay, so the first time was an event where apparently we were doing somebody a favor. Uh, I forgot the the girl's name, but uh, she wanted us to be there because she's of, a terrific lady, by the way. She yeah, she was really nice. Yeah. Uh, I asked them, and I asked you at the time. I remember when you both were talking to me and Abdullah, and I said, "Are you guys okay with the, this?" You we, okay? We, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's, <laughs> I think, uh, uh, even even shout out to Abdullah by the way, who by the way he came to me prior to the show and he said, Darish, I have an idea. I just want to run it by you." And I and I tried to explain to him, "This is academic. This is an academic stage. It's it's different. So there are certain rules. You can't say the f word. You can't say this and that. Yeah. And you can't do jokes that are rude or offensive." Right? Okay, so and basically, like, don't don't talk. Ex- no, <laughs> and here's the thing. He's like, of course, I'll tell you an idea. I have an idea to say this joke, uh, make fun of the fact that you guys brought me back. And I'm like, don't do that. This is separate. This is a separate occasion. Please oh, don't do that, Abdullah. Please don't do that. <laughs> you know, none of this was and communicated to the rest of us. Really? Like, and, I think only the and guess the, what the, he did. Next. Just the sen- just the the censorship part about swearing. That was the only one that we were aware of. Really? But I didn't swear except I think one word. But I, I thought that <laughs> yeah. word. I thought that word was okay. Was it? I think it was shit or something. I think that was the only one. I think. Really? Yeah, and it slipped out. It wasn't even something. Okay. So a majority, I don't. I tend to not swear a lot because but, I think. Uh, but I roasted your dean. And yeah. Apparently that was wrong. No. It, um. CEO, by the way, not the dean. <laughs> okay. Uh, he should be able to handle it. A man of his he, stature. He was, honestly, like, I, I because here's the thing. He ha- didn't have any problem with it. I think the team around it's, him yes. kind of felt... I uh, felt like the Arabs had a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. They came to me, they told me, and I spoke to I, I spoke to him again. Yeah, he's uh, Canadian. He was nice. He, he took he it like a man. He was very nice. And he, he's like, don't, don't worry, people, like... You know, it's very normal. I, I don't worry; it's nothing. So. Yeah, I felt like he knew where I was coming from. Exactly. That's why he didn't. Exactly. But I felt like everybody that was like the the middle management, and you know, they were a bit worried. And uh, there was the one guy that was a bit worried. And mm. and that takes me to the idea of you know, this is the the realm of the difference between I, the writing uh-huh. and and the stage. With the stage, it's difficult to know what kind of thing will work in a setting that you're not familiar with. And uh-huh. I think after that second event, which I was surprised. Yeah, as Abdullah said, that you that they invited us back. I asked for you by name. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I'm like in Why? the initial. I felt like the first one I bombed. I felt no. like I did terrible. Here's the thing. I I felt like you guys did a wonderful job. I felt that here's the thing. Comedy specifically in this region has to grow, uh, or we are doomed. Because if we can't, um, yeah. And 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 I think I I told you this right after the show uh, when I I. Which, by the way, people, after the event where he made fun of my book, mm. I went to him and I was like, hey, man, can I get a picture with you? And then I, I think it was Matruk or, or Abdullah. They were like, wow, look at you. You're yeah. famous. And I'm yeah. like, and you, and you said that, no, I, I feel like this is something different. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, next time you make fun of my books, 
make fun of the recent one. I felt like that. <laughs> I think the photo was. I thought for a second. I was like, this photo is gonna be in the news tomorrow. It's gonna be like wow. this dick trashed Polytechnic. Then I found out he's a nice guy. He didn't no, actually. I, I, I was worried that you were like the, the, that was the revenge selfie or something. I, no, I I understand. I love comedy, man. I understand it. You know what's funny is that you're forgetting that I trashed everybody in that room. They, you, you did. And like even the, <laughs> because I was looking. You know what? I, where I got Dragon Tooth from, by the way. Why? It was just I had to do because they told us not to talk about our material, and I told okay. Abdullah. Uh, like uh, when he first told me before I went to meet you guys. The, by the way, I think this is the most amount of times we mentioned uh, we mentioned you mentioned him on the show. I think. No, so he, is it? I, I think so. Maybe he should be happy. He should. Are be. you happy? I don't think he's watching anymore. He's never happy. <laughs> I think he stopped like <laughs> ten episodes ago. But um, yeah, like we we were talking preliminary before we met with you guys with you and uh, the, the girl. I can't remember her name. Marwa. Marwa, thank you. And um, before the the prelim to it is like. We needed different material because I was telling them that all the material I had wasn't something I could use for the... Did that just happen? That just happened. It was all material. <laughs> Editing. We'll do magic. Cool. Uh, the material I was using before that point was not usable for that show and it was very last minute for me. So uh-huh. I decided, okay, so I'm just going to treat it like I'm you know, roasting a group of alumni. They're having fun. They're all from the marketing department. Yeah, we're going to have fun. But so I was I... on marketing. I didn't have anything to do with that. I don't know. It, was, it, it said alumni marketing, whatever. I did, looked. Did, into... what, did they actually tell you, like, make fun of some of the achievements of the alumni? Did they tell no, you that? But what else am I going to make fun of? Okay, that's that's cool. Like, usually, most people would say that, like, in the Arab world, if you're not making jokes about the, the topics I make jokes about, yeah. like, they didn't want to do that, then I'll just make jokes where first I get to feel the room. Uh-huh. Okay, so I'll do what they like, which everybody, for some reason, they want me to trash somebody. Okay. Like, that's the, the number one request. <laughs> Zufni! Zufni! Exactly. <laughs> like, they want you to just and, and I, think I, I I said this to Abdullah as well. Like, I want Khalid, if he wants me to write an official letter, signed and stamped, I will give it to him. But okay. he has to come. All right. <laughs> he has go. to be here. And, and this was based off of your reaction on what I did in that show, exactly. right? Okay, I, so. I felt like you guys... We're, we're really good and I felt we like tried. I, I didn't really form. feel happy about that one I felt better about the one that was after even though people were much more offended by that but that one I actually liked but um, the, the first one mm-hmm. I was going through the list of accomplishments from Polytechnic okay and your book was on there really so is, th- that's is there a list there's a list there okay. was an article that was written or it was part of the, the school's oh, blog okay. or something and they're talking about like a sprigget or something that was invented and I, I needed to list the things that were considered the achievements. Uh-huh. So I my f- thing that was funny in my head was the fact that this is the marketing alumni. And these are the things they're talking okay. about. It's not really great marketing where everything you have on there is a book by, let's say, the Dragon Tooth Council. And then the Sprigget, or whatever the invention was called at the time. It had a really funny okay. way of describing that sounded very, very, let's just say inappropriate for that blog it just didn't didn't have the right language to it um, i mean here's the thing i think if you, if you look back at the achievements of bahrain polytechnic you're going to be very impressed because i think there are so many uh, entrepreneurs there are so many inventors there's authors and a lot of people okay. who came out of that uh, specific environment stronger better and just you know able to achieve I, I feel so, like we've gone through the process and now you've gone into your political mode and you're okay. 
and you're going bullshit on me. So I'm uh, I'm, I, I'm not going to okay. accept that. I wholeheartedly we're, believe what I said. We're going to put you into the hot seat. Okay. Why, why are you defending Polytechnic, Mehmed? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't like Polytechnic, by are the way. Are you scared of them? No. Are you scared of the Canadian CEO slash Dean? No, he's a terrific guy. Is he? Is he? He, he is. What's his name, Mehmed? Jeff. Why is Jeff scary, Mehmed? Jeff is not scary. Jeff is nice? Jeff is nice. All right, so everybody likes comedy, Mehmed. Ev- most Why people? were the people laughing in the back not allowed to come into the room, Mehmed? Which ones? In the way, way back. The students that didn't want to come in. Were there? Were they? Were there really? Was it a setup, Mohammed? No. Did you like our comedy? Uh, uh, yes. Were you threatened by our comedy? I was nervous by it. Okay. <laughs> Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Mohammed, how many people have you offended with this book? A bunch, I guess. I'm, I'm not. How many women have you offended? Who? Titan Lord? No, that's my redemption. That's your redemption. Yes. Why are there so many female characters in this book, Mohammed? Because I feel female. Uh, characters are underrepresented in so fact. many important powerful female characters all of them because yay women yes so many empowering ones uh-huh why not a single weak one Mehmed? you don't like vulnerable women what you like a harem full of strong mma type women no no no, no. that's that's not a, that, that's not the thing here's a, uh actually actually here's the thing women in titan lord um in in general i think because it's such a ruthless environment right they everyone has to adapt to a certain degree right so you have there are so many people who are just running off with their kids and 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 you know um that have nothing to do with the fighting nothing to do with the storyline but they exist so it's just that i so you're saying that the women in your book have to take on the natural roles of being a motherly carer is that it she has I to stay d- at home and fight and take care of the kids why aren't the men taking care of the kids in this book mohammed let me think. Was there Isaiah took care of Vendel? There's a version of that story that you don't want to hear. And you're off the hot seat. All right. Okay. So this last part is going to be us talking about some of the stuff in this book. So spoiler alert for everybody that's not going to uh, read it. You might want to stay and listen to this part. Okay. If you have read it, please stay and talk about it and talk about it in the comments. Don't forget to also comment Titan Lord in the bottom. And don't forget to quell your urges if you feel like you're a part of the, the whole giveaway. Uh, and also type... Or the Illuminati. Yes, or the Illuminati by typing Titan Lord into the comments. And if you're from the States and you're one of Mohammed's many long-term core audience fans, make sure to write quell the Titans in the, uh, quell the, the comment. Which is the shirt, by the way, right? That's one of the giveaways that he's wearing. You can get that on my website, just saying. Yes, mgdadwish.com. Okay. All right, Mohammed, in the book, there are confusing scenes for me. Okay. I want to understand what the Titans are. Yeah, based off of the mythology, they're sometimes referenced to as gods, but they never call themselves gods. I mean, here's the thing. The idea of deities is uh, so grand in concept that when you think about it, so um, in general, I think the prophet, it, there is this prophecy, right? And uh, the story and the origin goes like, uh, there's a giant tree, right? And this was the scene in one of the caves um, in Fort Eldrin, where mm. Natasha took Griffin. And uh, basically, they discuss the origin of, of the Titans. And the tree had two branches. The branches... Uh, so the branch that held the, the older children, which are the Titans, 
um, was above the ones that were below the new children. Okay. So it's more or it's more or less the concept of, uh, let's say, the creator creating the world, creating the humans, the animals and the insects and, and rats and all, all those different things. Right. But then the Titans were meant to rule. And I can't specify why the Titans, let's say, forsook that role yet okay that's going to be part uh, of the ongoing series exactly as it develops so don't forget to check out the next pre-order. series titan lord is alpha pre-order the a thousand ashes it's not yes. this is the first book make sure to check out a thousand ashes it's coming up on the screen right now so my second question is going to be about something else in the storyline and specifically to do with your writing style which is something that surprised me because i thought you were going to be in the first hundred hundred pages of the book i feel like it didn't pick up until after that first 100 pages, which is fine. I was uh, okay with that because it, when it does pick up, it does pick up for me. But that could be just, like I said, my own preference. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a guess and say that it was when the Red Hand showed up. Well, close. Yeah, close to the events that were leading to the Citadel. Now, right after the Citadel, the fight with Rory and the, ma- the massive demons. Okay. And it's what not the action specifically that makes it pick up. It's just that that's when we see all the pivotal players kind of come into play and we see the different perspectives. Uh-huh. And it's specifically when the original party splits up. And that's okay. where you get to see different aspects of the world and the different characters that they all meet independently. Okay. So... The, the first hundred pages, you have them all together, the, the main characters, Griffin, uh-huh. Ben, and Rory, and the first ones we meet. Why do we not he- hear more descriptions of the world that they're raised in and the places that they're part of? So the world building, is it a priority for you, or did you feel like it wasn't as necessary? Um, see, generally, it, it's, it's a very good question, by the way, because that, again, goes into what, uh, the, what other techniques that the author uses. So in world building, for me, I, uh, I don't like um, big paragraphs describing, uh, let's say, the past. Uh, I like to take the readers through the journey of, of learning the world. Mm-hmm. Usually that's through a character. In this case, it was Vendel and Griffin. Because they were kind of like outsiders to anything not inside the village. Right, yeah. So, and by the way, this you have to kind of set the story properly in a way that it's not going to be, uh, let's say, info dumping in in, in a way. Okay, yeah. So you don't want to be splurging for hours like Tolkien. Exactly. About Talking how the... about a table or yeah. a candle. Okay. So in general, I think my preference is that I want to experience it. I want to experience, experience the world. Yeah. And that's where uh, a lot of the, the story comes in, right? Because you, you get to see and live um, through the characters in a, in a sense, right? And... As you see, I, I think this is this is one of the uh, one of the big differences in in stories, right? So, if you remember, this the beginning of the book, uh, Titan Lord starts with Vendel receiving a lesson about history. Yeah. yeah, I could have easily just went like, there used to be titans hmm. and well, powers and, and armies and. This is true. You didn't have to break down a lot of the legends or the lore behind the the, the land, but I felt like we didn't get a chance do, to. Here's, yeah, we they do in they in a do sense play a role. They do play a role. We know that, but I I didn't mind that not being as fleshed out because that was part of the mystery for me to unravel it as we go through the story. Okay, I was just surprised because when you get to the citadel, 
uh-huh. you see more of the world and you see the slave market and you see the relationship between you know the people and the politics and even later on with Benjamin the red hand uh, you get to see how he reacts to his actions in the village and and how some people view him and his occupation of the citadel very true uh, but the the uh, the first uh, interaction with the original uh, town you don't really get an, a feel of what's going on in this town and what people are like and, and their day-to-day activities. We know, for example, that they're very hungry for some fighting. That's the, the one thing I noticed. And for some attraction to Rory as okay. a main uh, 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 female character who's uh, well... well uh, Because um, here's the thing. Rory was the uh, first... Uh, which, by the way, uh, I think in the US, uh, Rory is a, is, a, is a male name as well. Yes. So just to clarify, uh, Rory's real name is Roriana. Yes. And not uh, Rory. Yeah. So in, in general... Which is I a think, revelation later on as well. Exactly. Yeah. Because you learn that she like, is what? someone who she is not. Yeah. Anyways, um, generally, I think uh, the concept of, of having a woman first sort was something very new in the village. Because previously, that position has always been held by men. So okay, yeah. Rory has been the first uh, woman to prove that she is not only capable, but able to, you know, lead the militia and and kind of fight off whatever it is, bandits and 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 anything that Slimes. comes. Yeah. More like demons, but okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I I feel like you felt like you wanted to center the story specifically on the characters and not the town. Is that the, in, is all I'm getting so right about this? Um, when when you when you go through your day, do you talk about where you are? Uh, me? Do you do you keep it in your uh, like? Is it constantly on your well, on your mind? I don't constantly think about the location unless it's somewhere new to me. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So uh, here's the thing: a story will take you through that journey like that. So. Initially, what uh, I, I'm going to ruin books and movies for you, by the way, if we keep going. But <laughs> Go ahead, feel free. Um, you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> in general, I think every book, every uh, movie starts uh, in the same way, right? Yeah. You introduce a normal day in that world. So a normal day in Titan Lord is for Vendel to just go around and, and, and try to, be, to join the militia. And that's where the story, you introduce some kind of uh, conflict right so uh, what i'm talking about is the three-act structure by the way and there are so many writing styles there's the hero's journey there's um the uh, antagonist and, and there's so many different different ways yeah. right but the most common it's always the three uh, the three-act structure and if you very like uh, you can notice in every single movie because uh writers are awesome that way we generally poke fun at it as well, so it, it's it's more it's it's more uh, broken down into a formula. But I'll I'll give you an example, right? Um, in almost almost all of Netflix originals and and other movies, right? There's going to be some reference to coffee, some reference. But just isn't that just probability subtle. at work? No. Because usually, here's the thing: people people don't understand uh, that movies and all these giant uh, productions are written first by a writer. Yeah. And what do writers uh, enjoy? Coffee. Coffee. Well, it used to be cigarettes all the time. 
Was it really? Yeah. Speaking the, of which, uh, I, I forgot. Go ahead. This. Yeah, do this. Support Sode. your vape, vape kind. So this is for you. This is for so specifically. But yeah, that was the thing, right? Like writing and cigarettes. That was the, the, the thing that the writer's indispensable aid was all about, is to have that cigarette that <coughs> till this day, I, apparently, some sorry. people are motivated by. It's fine. No, that's not from you. <laughs> okay. Not at all. So in, in general, I think here's the thing. Um, what, what we go through, uh, and, and again, this goes back to the idea that people have about writers and, and, and authors in general. People think writing a book is fun and, you know, it's uh, not, they, they think books are good. No, books are evil and vicious. They crush our souls. It, it, you know, you, I, can't, uh, I can't describe how difficult it is for, for a writer to put in that experience into a book. So, and and that's the concept when people are paying for books. They're not paying for just that book. They're paying for the experiences that the author went through. They're paying. They're paying for the process, the the journey that the author took. And you know, some of us go through some fucked up shit. Yeah. And you can see it in the writing. And I I, I think I tweeted once that I can't imagine a fucking butterfly in the world of Titan Lord anymore because the world has gotten so dark. And I've had so many people come to me and say, how can you kill these characters so easily? Mm. And it's not easily. Here's the thing. We, it, it hurts us more than it hurts you. They're our children. They're our daughters that we kill. And I think you enjoyed it. I don't, I, I honestly, I, 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 I don't have, believe it for a second. I think you were like, I'm sacrificing my baby to Moloch. And that's what's happening right now. But, that there's a there's an entire thing called kill your darlings by the way okay it's it's when authors uh struggle with the concept of killing their character they just can't let go and, and who was your first kill do you remember him or her i i uh i, I don't remember <laughs> i think you do i think just like was serial it? killer you remember that characters first time. yeah i do you remember your first kill come on my first kill i i don't know to this day, you, you, uh, you've not thought about that? Like, well, who was my first? Who was the one that I slayed and decided? Because it must have been a struggle, it, right? It, it depends. Uh, I mean, if you talk about characters uh, right, or so main characters. Then don't think about the short stories. Don't think about something that you okay. rock, wrote quickly. Think about something that you, like, you, you went on a journey to develop these characters. Hmm. Out of those, who was your first? Does it, anything, um, anybody click? Here's the thing, Titan. Uh, See, you feel nothing for them. You just <laughs> slaughter it. They're nothing. <laughs> Meaningless babies that you don't even remember their name. You think this is bad? Imagine how I feel when, when I come back to Titan Lord and, and I write <laughs> book two and I try to remember. Wait, is this guy alive? I actually have to keep track. Do, I haven't, you, do you keep track of Of your, course I do. But how meticulously? Because we said we talked about outlines before. And I have I, a list. Okay, so because I know dungeon masters that do this for their okay. D&D sessions and they have like, they might as well write a book, honestly. Uh -huh. Like they, they keep track of their characters, their bonds, their relationships, the things they've promised to do. And there's like a map. It looks like a, you know, one of those crazy, like, you know, here's the strings and everything. And, and people go down deep into that rabbit hole for some. Okay. So they are that meticulous. How meticulous do you get when it comes to keeping track of stuff? Uh, I have, I always have a separate document when, um, for example, in the case of Titan Lord, I have a world information document right. that is sitting there, involves all the details about all the characters, every character mentioned in the book, their description, their eyes, their, uh, do they have any scars? Did something happen? 
are they alive or not? Yeah. Uh, shit, I enjoy that too much. I, I okay. noticed that. I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna take that ability away from you one day. <laughs> um, so I I keep track of names, um, spellings. Right. Nearly, uh, it has to all be consistent. I noticed that because there's a couple of times I've been trying to catch you in the book, where uh-huh. I'm like, "Are you fucked up?" And you, then you, it's like, damn it, he justifies it later. And but here's the see, that's the beauty of a book. You can't judge it just by reading one part of it. Because I feel like, uh, let's take The Long Night, for example. Right. right? That book is very technical. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's really meticulous in the in the way that if you change, if you alter the order of the or, the chapters just one bit, the, the entire story falls apart. It just doesn't make Does sense. Does that scare you more knowing that you're you're moving with so many integral parts, so many moving pieces? Not not really, because I think part of my process is I go through better readers as well. So I take into account any comments that, uh, you know, uh, any comments during that process. And believe me, there were a lot of valid points mm. that were brought up when it came to The Long Night. And... Um, I fixed a lot of stuff. I had to go back and, and fix a few things as well. So that was the case. It, it does happen. And I think that's the beauty of the process is that it's not just a one-off thing. You have to go back and look at where yeah. you can alter things and, and add specific points that will be answered in book two or three. Yeah. And uh, No, to your credit, honestly, every time I, I thought I was like looking for a loophole or a gap, you left. <laughs> You would clarify it later on. And there was nothing that I found that felt like it was missing in this book. So the one that comes to the top of my head right now was one point where um, the um, he's, he's repeatedly called the Black Dog. Yeah. And then later on, there's a moment where a character calls him the Black Knight. And I go, aha! And then... He's a colored knight. A, a few scenes <laughs> later, you expand on that history. And I'm like, motherfucker! <laughs> I want to catch you with something. But uh, no, everything is justified. Uh-huh. And if usually I, when 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 it wasn't, you explained it to me, and it, it was actually active. I just it, felt turned out. Exactly. I was an idiot. Because in, in a way, in a sense, uh, he there, um, and this is another thing in the book as well. There are the colored knights, which are yeah. knights above knights. They're stronger. Uh, they have more freedom and power than most uh, uh, people, uh, specifically. Mm. So Isaiah was one of the uh, one of the colored knights. Uh, specifically, he was the black knight, which is why the the, the word play comes into. So instead I... of the black knight, you call him the black dog because yeah. he is a mad dog without a strategic thought in his head. That's true. He just charges in, but I like it when he's speaking. I think <laughs> I think he needed. You'd be the first, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I honestly I liked a lot of the characters in this book and I felt like there was a lot to grow from it from well, the ones that are left over by the end of it but uh, there, there's a lot to, to take into the next series or the, the next book uh, what are your goals because first first actually explain to us the vital differences between the Titan Lord series and your other books specifically Fortier and what where do you want to take this what's the idea of uh, for the future of Titan Lord I write for very selfish reasons. Okay. I I write the books that I want to read. Um, and I think, in general, the idea of... of Titan- so, for example, let's take uh, the writing style as well. Titan Lord is a kind of a third person. <laughs> what, what happened? We have budget concerns in the show. Don't worry about it. 
Okay. The iPad is still not available in the market anywhere. Couldn't okay. even find it on the base. Seriously? You know that? Yeah. It's back ordered for months now. Wow. The iPad Pros. You should get it refunded. No, the, apparently I don't. I didn't even pay yet. Oh. Yeah. Cool. I know. I'll explain later. <laughs> Go ahead. So, if you look at it in terms of of let's say uh, styles of writing, nope. something gave out. Oh, somebody doesn't like us. Just keep going. Don't worry okay. About it. Yeah. So if you look at it in terms of writing styles, uh, Time to Learn is actually written in third person. Um, the Long Night is written in um, uh, first person, basically. So yeah. the story is told through the it's through the character. It's Alfred who's talking. Very different writing choice and 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 Very style. Uh, you would think in that if if you were going. Obviously, here you split the characters apart and you're showing uh, multiple scenes. But at first, when that first hundred pages kicks in for me, I'm thinking, why isn't this in first person? I'd be able to see more about the world. So that difference, why was it vital for Fortier and not here? Honestly, the way that the idea for Fortier came, and it, it, it I, I was just ranting about vampire stories and novels that are just popping up, and TV shows about vampires that are just too soft they're they're taking uh, they're drifting the the theology of vampires to somewhere where uh, uh, that i think it doesn't belong there where are they taking them sparkling uh, are they taking them there is why are you resistant to the future i'll 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 gauge it this way hamid why do you hate sparkly vampires because they shouldn't sparkle. Why shouldn't they sparkle? What do you got against pixely vampires? Bec- Sprite-like. Because we have people wishing to meet vampires. This is bad. This is wrong. You need to be scared of vampires. Maybe of they're just co- different. Maybe they're just different. Maybe they shouldn't be scared. Maybe, maybe they're an oppressed minority, Mohammed. What, may- what do you hate about them? Maybe they're evolved bedbugs. Have you ever thought about that? Okay, off. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying... You have a, is it a classic gothic style vampire or is it something new you've, you've introduced? Here, here's the thing. In, in, in regards to The Long Night, I feel like, uh, because I did intensive research on everything that is in the book, by the way. I, I, I try to stay true to the theology and mythology of vampires um, as accurately as I can depict, right? So you have um, a lot of uh, rooted history in the book. And the places that exist in the book, they're real places. You can go there. Yeah. The bar that the, that Alfred goes in, uh, the place where um, you know a big showdown happens, the After Dark Club. It it, it exists. It's in Texas. Okay. And there's a copy of Fortier there as well. So you can physically go see those locations, you know. And I felt like this was a a big part of the uh, of the process as well. And I felt like to do it justice. Um, because all, all I was doing was criticizing um, choices, you know, uh, that the authors uh, took. Yeah. And it struck me when, when someone told me, what would your take on vampires be? And I think that led me to a very cool concept of the Fortier, which, by the way, I wrote the prequel uh, novella before I went to the novel. So... When I wrote, I, I I wrote it as a joke. By the way, I didn't mean to publish it, but I was having so much fun, <laughs> so much fun. What do you mean? Like you you took a bet with somebody, and that was just a funny exactly. thing for you? Yeah. Ah. So I was like, "This is what a real vampire looks like. This is real theology. You should be afraid of vampires. You you don't know 
what Alfred's mood is. Is he going to kill you or just save you? Or I've always he... felt like I, I like the sympathetic vampire. Not necessarily the soft ones of today, but the one you look at Bram Stoker's Dracula, and he has mm. a take on it that you know you, you're like, okay, this guy is not only shunned God, but he has a good reason for himself. He, I, he feels like he's been, you know, betrayed by the light. I I, I think you're going to enjoy Fortia. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because I think even even the history part of it is is it's all true, right? So f- there's, for example, there's a quote in the book that. Uh, someone tells Alfred because he's he's an ancient soul. He's been through the Roman Empire and so many times, right? Uh, they tell him all oh, all roads lead to Rome, and he says, "If you had said that in the Republic, you would be shunned." And he says, "Why?" And Alfred responds, "Because it's an offensive. It's it's insulting to Romans when you say all road all roads lead to Rome because they were the ones that actually built the roads." So all le- all roads lead from Rome, not to Rome. Right. So that's one of the things that I discovered when I when I uh, was writing the scenes um, that are in the book, and I learned a very horrifying fact. Rome, the city right now, is built on top the on top of the ruins of the Roman Empire. Yeah. I I. I am shocked a to my huge, core. A huge, huge ruin, like an, an, an what do they call it, an Acropolis or an Acropolis? I, I, or yeah. So, yeah. why, 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 why is it? Why, why is it still buried? We need to understand uh, our, our uh, you know, our past. In our, way. It's not just our past. This is our roots. Yeah. Because the Romans controlled so much of the world, so much of of the known world, really, that. For us to lose their technology, and by the way, there there are so many things we don't understand about about what happened in the middle in, in the dark ages we call it, yeah. right? I think um, we have just dis- uh, not just. I, I think a few years back we discovered an ancient battery in ancient Babylonia. Yeah, yeah. So it's those things that that you know jump out at you. What have we lost in terms of history? Oh, I feel like there's there's a lot more when it comes to understanding humanity uh than people give credit to the ancients to uh and and specifically their ability to to understand how to mold culture in a way that suits everybody so i think what they did really well specifically the romans the most impressive thing they have ever done for me is not their structures it's not necessarily how they're amazing aqueducts everything else but it's their ability to say their power did not come from claiming that they had power so that they invented the greatest things they had the pragmatism, the extreme pragmatism to actually conquer a people and then say, oh, my God, these people have an amazing weapon or they have an amazing way of doing agriculture or an amazing way of keeping books. And they would entice a culture mm. to include themselves into the empire and be a part of the empire, to and, add to their own cultural value. Mm-hmm. So there's this collection of things you know exactly and this is one of the most interesting parts of rome by the way because when they conquered the territory they offered to give it back provided you submit to rome Rome, and you answer to rome when it calls so whenever they need you you're there yeah they utilized you in in every way possible and and you you feel the uh, the benefits of having uh, of being under rome's wing under under rome's protection and it wasn't actually until julius caesar which by the way funny fact um if you look at, at even the months uh, that we have, 12 months, right? Mm. Uh, we go June, July, August, September, October. So sept in Latin is seven. 
Yeah. Octo is eight. Yeah. So it was uh, the seventh month used to be September. But then Julius Caesar came and said, nah. I want a month. <laughs> and he added July. <laughs> Augustus gets one. Oh, why, why don't I get no, one? No, Augustus came after Julius uh, Caesar. Did he? So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That, so, that, that's why Ju- uh, July is seven and Augustus is eight. Mm, all right. And then September, for some reason, is, what is it? Nine. It's just confusing, see? God damn it, Julius Caesar. You ruined it for everybody. The eye, beware see, I, I, the eye. I, I, I feel like he, don't, don't quote Shakespeare here. This is not, it's not Shakespeare. It's history. It's it's history. It, Beware the Ides of March. They told. I thought, I thought that was like his interpretation of what happened. Not, no, not actual history. No, it is actual because is it? yes, it's it's historical facts because uh, Caesar died on the Ides of March. No, but I mean the prophecy, the actual lines. Um, people, people. Because it was the soothsayer that says it. Yeah, yeah. but still, I, I think his. See, thing, I know my shit too. A, okay? a reflection. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> a reflection of the history is actually very interesting right. because um, it was easily avoidable. Right. Like because Caesar didn't feel well that day, and a lot of people told him delay the meeting, delay yeah. the Senate meeting, where you know the the traitors Brutus, uh, God damn it, Brutus and Cassius, thieves and murderers. They had another one as well. I like Cassius. But He's a good talker. Why? Because he 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 could make sense. Brutus, I felt like he never had believed in Brutus, it. See, they, they needed Brutus to validate yeah. uh, the attack. But he didn't believe in it. I felt he, like the others, when they speak about it, I, I actually do believe in how they think. I think they, they do have a point. Uh, Why? Because the, the Republic is based off of a Republic. If you, True. If you, if you take that away, sure, Rome becomes more powerful eventually because of the Emperor. But it loses the point of the whole thing, which but, is but see, the I think, tyrants. Take them away. True. However... I think the fact that Caesar had so, had accomplished so much, right? And I, and I think this is part of uh, why uh, the, these idiots, I'm going to say, didn't anticipate what, what the out, uh, let's say, the fallout of, of Caesar's death. Mm. They killed Caesar, and then what? Did you plan this far? No. I think I think they didn't. No. But so, <laughs> so then Augustus comes and 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 messes them up. Yeah. Well, it, uh, technically Octavian, but yeah, uh, but Octavian didn't last long. <laughs> yeah, he's a little baby. But um, does that does that translate a lot for you? Do you do you take history into your books? Absolutely, I love history. And here's the thing: uh, there are a lot of instances where I twist history to better fit it uh, in in the book's context in a way, hmm. because I I feel like there are so many cool stories, honestly, because um. If we look at things from a uh, let's say a political standpoint, right? What a, what Augustus Caesar did in his first uh, announcement uh, as as a uh, uh, basically, I forgot the word. Damn it! What is the word? What are you looking for? Are you, are you looking for a name of a position or what? what are a you position. Looking for? I'm, I'm not Rome Grand had... Puba. No, no, no. There, there are always the two Senate. positions in Rome. Consul? Consul. See? I know okay. my shit. <laughs> you know your shit. I do. Okay, let's try that I'll again. Pre- I'll pretend like an idiot. Sorry, <laughs> so in general, I think uh, the first time uh, Octavian actually became consul, right. he was young. I, I think 20 to 19 years old. Yeah. And the way that he played the entire Senate, he played Cicero 
who was a seasoned Senate uh, member, yeah. right? He played him like an idiot. Yeah. Because Cicero had this whole this whole plan. Okay, you're going to be the first consul that that's not above thirty or forty or whatever, right? So you have to listen to me. And he and and, and Octavian is like, mm. of course, I would not do anything without your con your, your yeah. consul. It's like, okay, cool. This is going to work. And next so you like that political intrigue? It's amazing. Yeah. I feel like here's the thing: we ignore history so much that we are bound to repeat it. I. Here's the thing: so many, so much catastrophes of uh, that we have encountered recently as well with uh, the C word. I, I think YouTube doesn't like that word. Okay. Okay. Not not <laughs> that. Uh, not the Isaiah word. Okay. Okay. Right, okay. So, uh, in in terms of like diseases, black plagues, and whatever, right? Yeah. If we ignore history, yeah, we are doomed to repeat it. And the black plague took out what? I think 50 million people? Yeah, well, I think it's a third of Europe. I can't remember what the number was. It was a disaster. Yeah. And I think because of the fact that we have these records, right, this is why we dealt with the certain pandemic um, way better. And I feel like certain countries did a much better job than others, while others downplayed it, saying, it's just a cold. Mm. Do you know what else is a cold? The Spanish flu. Yeah. And it took out so much people. Don't underestimate a pandemic. That is, I think, the true test of a civilization is how well they respond to catastrophes. I agree with you on that front. I feel like there there are a lot of things that people look in hindsight and they say, well, maybe they over-exaggerated here and this part didn't come out the way they said it would. But in hindsight, when you don't know much, you have to take extreme measures to actually, you know, av- Absolutely. prevent the worst. Now, I hope that after this is all blown over, that we look at some of the people that were, you know, maybe accountable in some ways for what happened and see if uh, if we keep talking about it after the fact. But I'm not going to do that on YouTube. Not for this show anyway. I'm going to get it. We, we will. Uh, so last, last question for you, Mohammed, since we've talked about your inspiration from history and everything that goes with the Romans and some of the other things. What are your plans for the future? And is mm-hmm. there a hope that you might one day write a book that is inspired by our mythology in the Middle East? Will you ever be the Neil Gaiman that we need here? Um, I mean, here's the thing. Who knows what the future holds? For me, see, I, I have to do what I, what I do, right? And in general, I don't like to fit in a certain mold um, because I, I think as an artist... Um, you don't like restrictions and and let's say conceptions that people have of you or expectations and i feel like it's a very dangerous trap to to fall into whereas is there going to be a titan lord 3 i don't know is there if it, if it wants to be written it will be written and i think in in general the future uh, and and like i said i write for a very selfish reason and I, as long as there are stories I want to read, I'm going to keep writing. And hopefully it's, uh, you know, and hopefully readers enjoy that ride with me. Um, but if not, then it's it's all good, you know? All right. I'll do what everybody has apparently done to you for years now. I'm going to say uh-huh. I have a perfect idea for you, okay? You go Lovecraft. Uh. 
You go Lovecraft, you put Iram, okay? Nobody's done Iram before. You publish it, you do it in Arabic and English. We split the profits. How about that? You know, there's another funny story about this, by the way. Uh, 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 Just to explain to people, that's apparently what he's had to face uh, for the majority of his career. It's a a rite of passage. I think every author kind of has to deal with it, where someone comes to him and says, I have an idea. How about you write it? And we split the profits. Uh, I've had people actually really insist that I write their life story. Really? I swear to God. But are they paying you? No, 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 no. They're like, you know what you should do? You should write my life story. And I replied, no one would read it. Who who are these people? Uh, Have they at least achieved anything? I I, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. But that's the beauty. Is it the YouTuber from before? No. You wish? No. No? No. (laughs) Okay, so um, the, I, I feel like that's uh, the magic of life because life, again, is relative, right? right? What you feel you're going through, you think it's so unique that it's just happening to you. Yeah. Guess, guess what? You're there are 7.8 billion people. Tell people they're not special. Look at that camera. Tell them they're not special. No one is special. <laughs> Everything is permitted. And, I, and here's the thing. This is not a joke as well. Time is the currency of success. Yes. However time you spend on something, you're going to get good at it. And there are th- a few things that you might be better than others. But then again, there are 7.8 billion people. So there's always someone who's better than you. What's the saying? You know, talent are for the, the useless. It's the, the rest of us that show up and do the hard work. True. true. That's what matters at the end. Hard right? work beats raw talent. There you go. All right, you guys, uh, I want you to make sure to check out his website, mgdarwish.com, to check out the next series, the next book that's coming out now. It's available for pre-order. It's called Titan Lord, A Thousand Ashes. Absolutely. And uh, make sure to read some of his other books, the Fortier series as well, and Dragon Tooth. If you're interested in supporting, make sure to pick up a copy of it. Pre-order now. Don't forget to check out the merchandise. And speaking of merchandise, don't forget to actually check the comments below. Hit the word or actually hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the share. Let some people know that there's a giveaway for whoever actually types out Titan Lord in uh, the comment section and that gives you uh, a chance at winning one of these amazing giveaways brought to you by Mohammed. Mohammed, thank you for uh, being here. Thank you for having me. All right, your final words to everybody out there? Quell the Titans. Quell the Titans. I didn't even know. think about that, right? I, I hope, so. I, I love it. Because I was thinking, <laughs> I was like, is he going to say it? He said it! Yeah, absolutely. All right, you guys. Bye!